you have just discovered the secret to all true podcasting. Welcome to episode number 64 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we're not voting by mail, but, you know, we've been lying and cheating at the polling place for years anyway. And from America's left coast, where people are still falling for the Nigerian 419 scam. (laughs) I'm Ryan Benrose. You know what? Multiple people, including our friends Larry from that Larry show over on Twitter, who, um, was like, you got to show this to Bemrose. And then uh, our buddy Billy Bones from a Walk Through the Mind podcast, the story you're referring to here. Everybody was quite, well, I don't know if I would say surprised, but everybody was quite jovial that your state seems to have fallen for the Nigerian scammers to the, what, hundreds (laughs) of millions? What the hell? uh, So I I, believe it or not, I did research on this. the state has not actually said how much they've fallen for, and that's probably for the best because we'd ridicule them for that, but we'll ridicule them for this particular quote. Um, back in April, and I think we mentioned this on Grumpy Old Ben's, they talked about unemployment scams uh, uh, to the tune of about $1.6 million, which is not a hell of a lot in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I could do a lot with $1.6 million, but frankly, the state loses that in their couch cushions. Um, that was the official reported number. Now we all knew back then it was, it was higher probably, you know, in the, the 10 to 15 million range, uh, just people scamming the unemployment system saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm unemployed. And then, and even, even identity theft where people who were employed, uh, were, were suddenly getting unemployment benefits that were being sent to somebody else. That, that was a big story about a month ago. Well, now the, the unofficial word from somebody with the state unemployment office is that it could be orders of magnitude above the 1.6 million reported in April. Not not an order of magnitude. That'd be 16 million orders. So <laughs> we're looking at hundreds of millions that the state is losing. And this would be hilarious if it weren't my fucking money already. <laughs> <laughs> your tax your taxes are going up not to provide your state with an essential you know infrastructure and things that the people of Washington need. But because your leaders are so dumb, they fell for the Nigerian scam. Here's what I don't get. I, I have the article. I haven't really dug into this, as I'm guessing you have. How was this money being paid out? So uh, it, it wasn't actually a 419 scam. Uh, the, the 419 scam is the the uh, the original Nigerian scam where a Nigerian prince would promise you a ton of money. <laughs> yes. if You would just forward, you know, your uh, a measly ten thousand dollars. And and then they could promise to give you, you know, 20 million later or something. And that was fact that was that people that was the original for 419 scam. I don't know if it's ever been paid out. I, I can't believe anybody ever fell for that. But we know they have that. Uh, it is that shit happened back. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the 90s that, that I was hearing about that where it, it, I mean, it wasn't even Internet. It was it was somebody to fucking call you did cold call you on your landline you'd answer and they'd be like my name is is prince from nigeria and i need to move a hundred million dollars out of the country and if you just give me and then you know it was a confidence scam so they'd have to earn your trust and 
you know, a lot of people who were very trusting and totally retarded and uh, don't have that that uh, distrust for, well, people that, that you and I might, um, would be taken in and be like, oh, yeah, I'll co- of course I'll help you with this. And, you know, you want to move $100 million. It, it was usually, you know, they want to move $100 million or $10 million to the country and they'll give you 10% for helping them out. But, and then right at the end, once you've agreed that, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely help you by transferring this through my bank account, they would then say, oh, but we need $10,000 or we need $1,000 or something. And that was what the whole scam was really about because you forward that and suddenly you're never contacted again. That's not what this was. Uh, but they say it, that, that it, it was a fraud where they actually traced it. The money was going to Nigeria. So it, it was kind of a Nigerian scam. But this scam was more, uh, they're filing for their, their normal old identity theft and then filing for unemployment from people who are either, uh, have jobs or not seeking unemployment or don't exist anymore. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the, the state of Washington is probably totally willing to pay out benefits to dead people in Chicago. That, that sort of thing happens. Well, this is kind of Um, a big deal with everything going direct deposit because if you actually had to ship a check you know mail a check then you would have to have a bunch of actual physical addresses to get the checks i'm assuming that well, this was you or i would i'm, I'm not <laughs> sure that the state even cares about that maybe you can have like a Be thousand like, addresses at one po box and oh that seems fine yeah or or, or send, let's let's send all of our unemployment benefits to china yeah I, I, we get that Right, I'm just visiting China right now. So if you could send yeah. me that check, that would be great. Millions of people in the state, <laughs> tens of millions of people in the state are unemployed and visiting China right now. And never mind that the population of the state is only 8 million. I'm sure it's a beautiful country. So why not be in China during a pandemic? Absolutely. <laughs> so I, yeah, that's the, fantastic. The, quote, the best quote that I, I got was uh, from a. Uh, uh, from one of the officials said uh, this disclosure or no, this disclosure came the the disclosure of of having lost the money right. as the state was already struggling to process an un- process an unprecedented wave of legitimate jobless claims amid one of the worst economic crises in U.S. history. And I, I understand that. And and if you're a bureaucrat in the unemployment office, then this must feel like a perfect storm. But I just want to point out that. It was Jay fucking Inslee at the hands of the harp machine. This storm was man-made. It would not be one of the worst fucking economic crises in U.S. history if our leadership, and I use that in air quotes, was not completely destroying the economy uh, charitably because they're scared sheep. And if you believe conspiracies because they want to tank Trump, but there would not be all of these legitimate jobless claims if Jay Inslee were not trying to ruin the economy of the state by putting everybody in the fucking state out of jobs. Just had to get that rant out there. Yeah. I mean, let's add on to the fact, and I know everybody has a different point of view. The science air quotes yet again is anything but settled, but I did see an article, an interview talking to an Oxford epidemiologist was an older um i think she was from pakistan uh, pakistan pakistani woman who was an oxford epidemiologist who said looking at the data it appears when you look at all the different places in the world and how this virus went from 
hitting the ground, spiking up, then dying off. She said it really didn't make a whole lot of difference what the plan on the ground was. And her takeaway was doing nothing might have been better than what we did. So might. So there's that. (laughs) I mean, hey, we don't know for sure. Might. I mean, Joe Biden is going and running with the concept that if Trump would have just listened to me, man, and did this one week earlier, man, he would have saved 36,000 lives, man. 36,000. Yeah. 36,000 people die stepping off of curbs in America. 36,000 people die every 10 minutes in car accidents. Well, not not now because we're not allowed to be on the fucking roads anymore. Um, you know, actually, that's probably the biggest benefit to this whole lockdown is that traffic deaths have plummeted because nobody's driving anywhere. In fact, what this means is we probably should just stay locked down until we can get our traffic deaths down to zero. Yes. Well, I was surprised. And then wait for a vaccine. I was surprised the number wasn't 33,000, but I digress. <laughs> that's just because of the magic number. But I did see a meme with something on the back of a truck which said, you know, nobody can go back to driving until the number of fatalities on the road is gotten down to zero. You know, it's uh, you're, yeah, you're, it, it's the same logic. I mean, you know, as if trying to apply logic to what these politicians are doing is ever going to get you anywhere but satire. Well, this Oxford epidemiologist, the other number she pulled out, and it's going to take a while for these things to totally shake out. But she believed you were going to see a death rate on this of 0.1%, which was equal to the seasonal flu, as we've talked about. And she said it could even be 0.01%, which would be completely unbelievable. And this, the numbers she was talking about were in the UK, who, you know, for a while it was being reported that, you know, the UK, everybody was going to die. Well, they are. <laughs> well, eventually. I mean, it might take a while, but yeah, it's, it's like, uh, I, I'm, as I'm just sitting here, I saw a, uh, somebody posted, I've got no agenda social up, which is probably a terrible idea, but, uh, devil dog 2001 posted, uh, a link to a CNN article said, uh, hydroxychloroquine treatment for COVID-19 linked to a greater risk of death. And my first thought was, there's no way your risk of death is one hundred percent always <laughs> right. not changing your risk of death yeah, that's true it's only changing your yeah. time of your death i i know what they mean and the the letter cnn and that means that i'm totally skeptical and i know i know they meant risk of death soon or risk of death from this but then again you know at this point i'm planning on living another 40 years from now and then i'm probably going to die of covid and they'll try they'll track the stats for that are you going to keep a little vial of it just so when you're ready to go no there won't be any covid <laughs> the, the virus will have gone extinct and I'll probably be, you know, I, I've always maintained that I'm probably going to die in a road rage incident or a jealous <laughs> husband or something, and that'll be a COVID death because fucking everything is a COVID death. Get Re- hit by a bus, COVID death. The re- oh, the fall re- from the International Space Station, COVID death. Well, if you're in the f- space station and you actually fall, the space station was way too low anyway. <laughs> You know, well, they do keep having to, to adjust its orbit. <laughs> uh-huh. Once it gets down to I mean, well, I, there was a guy that, uh, you know, did one of these skydiving things from about as high as you can go a couple of years back. I remember watching a live stream of it was just kind of fascinated by the the whole ordeal. But, yeah, if you're still low enough for gravity, you're you've got problems. But the, the news media, more and more, the writing of the actual articles 
is bugging me. And this was a CNN article as well. So right there with you talking about this case of Ahmad Arbery, the 25 year old African-American guy that got shot in Georgia. Oh, I heard about that on a podcast recently. Yeah. And uh, random thoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B thoughts dot com. One of the greatest podcasts in the history of podcasts. Um, it's it's one of the greatest podcasts in the world that doesn't include Sir Pemrose. Yes. Right. One of them. The article I read this morning, because now we'll, and we'll have to do an update on this on the next random thoughts, but that's not until next Wednesday. They've now arrested the guy that was following and recording on his cell phone what happened, which to me, that is. You mean the producer? Right. I guess. Yeah. Because he's the one that took the video. But. He knew the two guys involved, the two guys with the guns, but the odd part wasn't any of that. One, I think that's ridiculous because this is going to anybody that wants to record a crime. I mean, I don't know. They said he was unarmed, and I know he knew the two old white guys who were involved in shooting. This is Chicago, right? No, Georgia. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was happening in Chicago and. I was thinking if you want to record a crime, all you have to do is turn on your camera. Kind of. But how many crimes have we seen? Like, you know, the groups of kids beating on some, there's been a lot of video and I don't remember ever hearing that somebody that took the video of the crime happening were then pulled into this just because they were there and he didn't do anything. It's like, well, he's unarmed. Let's just pretend he didn't know them or did. Doesn't matter. You got two guys with guns. He doesn't have a gun. He's got a cell phone. What's he supposed to do? But that's neither here or there, because that is a, a, a part of this case that doesn't make sense to me. But the writing from CNN, if you've seen this video, the African-American guy runs up to the truck because he was jogging, runs up to where this parked truck is, makes a right. that kind of goes off on the shoulder. And then once he gets to the front of the truck, immediately tries to, I guess, tackle because he goes to make physical contact with the guy with the shotgun, which a really bad idea, but it's very clear that he goes, runs around the passenger side of the truck. And then when he gets to the front, goes after the guy with the shotgun. Well, CNN story said, well, he ran, he tried to run around the side of the truck. It's like, no, he didn't try to run around the side of the truck. He did run around the side of the truck. Why is the word? So so he tried. He tried and succeeded, I guess, but they don't say he succeeded. They're just like, well, he was trying to run around the side of the truck. It's like, no, no, he did. He did run around the side of the truck. But this is how bad reporting is. They don't even understand the basic words they're using anymore. See, one one thing that I've learned about CNN is that if they omit a detail, that pretty much confirms that detail. And yes, DC girl in the troll room available at noagendastream.com when we record these shows Friday mornings at 11 a.m. Central. The guy following with the camera was also arrested on murder charges for sitting in his truck and watching this go down. See, the beautiful thing about having 250 years worth of laws that don't come with sunset clauses and and having a, a bureaucracy that is capable of generating an encyclopedia's worth of laws every month or year or whatever the stat is this time. Uh, the beauty is that if you're a prosecutor and you decide that you want to prosecute someone, you you first decide that you want to prosecute them, and then you just go and do a cursory search and find 17 different things you can prosecute them on. Uh, same with a cop. If, if, if you, it is a 
great time to be in law enforcement because you just all you have to do is decide this is the person I'm going to arrest. And then you've got ready made excuses because every single one of us is violating laws 30 times a day. They just have to decide which ones they want to use, which ones they want to enforce and which ones they want to let go. Cause Hey, everybody does it. Which one selective are you enforcement is awesome. I mean, just in case the, the Seattle area police are listening. I mean, did you want to admit to anything? I, I am podcasting without a restraint <laughs> that should be illegal in some states but uh yeah the news media i don't see getting better but we do have podcasts and that is a big part of what we want to talk about today is just the not the state of grumpy old bens i mean we all know we suck but the state of uh, podcasts wait, are you talking about illinois or are you talking <laughs> about washington because because both of those are terrible states for grumpy old Ben. Well, that is true. Or the state of insanity or just the overall way we do the show. I mean, I know we're just getting our feet wet in this stuff. But Joe Rogan's Spotify uh, I, deal. I, 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 side, just a side note I want to point out is there was one point um, at, when I was writing a test app where um, I needed to create a bunch of error codes. And one of the error codes was that the system went into a bad state. And <laughs> so when I wrote the error code it was e- error underscore california <laughs> entered a bad state well that's he explains it to anybody that reads it they're like oh well that makes sense because yeah. so, otherwise uh, does somebody see somebody see the code for error california they're like oh systems in a bad state yes because otherwise okay, i mean anyway. all these error codes are like x one zero 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 three e four it's like i don't know what that means but california i'd be oh that makes sense they sh- every all the error codes should have something like that would make understanding your computers a lot easier yeah well i I, another fun error code i put up was error underscore sarcasm well i'll let you figure out that one anything when you open your mouth i assume it's sarcasm so is it like the bemrose error or what yeah but it's usually not by error oh that's anyways true joe rogan joe rogan spotify sending some massive waves through the podcasting community and rightfully so, because Rogan is up there with one of the, as we know, it's hard to know exactly how many listeners slash viewers slash subscribers there are in a podcasting world. But everybody seems to agree that Rogan's show is up there, no matter what metric you're using, in at least the top three, probably the number one show. Well, Rogan is big and Spotify is big, and there are a whole lot of people that listen to both. And uh, so when when I mentioned we were uh, before the show in the chat room, in the troll room, we were going to be talking about this. uh, I said something like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, Spotify's got a spot in my rent table. And uh, DC girl who recently uh, put Smash Cast up on Spotify said, oh, man, I know. And I I just want to say. Adding your podcast to more platforms so that more people can get to you is just good sense. Making your podcast exclusive is not. But I think we're going to spend the next 15 minutes expounding on that. So, Well, it is, and for good reason, because that's the difference. Podcasting, this thing that Adam Curry created long ago with the RSS and the audio thing, works across all platforms that's why there are multiple pod catching whatever you want to call them apps where people can go in you get whichever app you want 
you subscribe to all of the podcasts you like in that one app, and that becomes your go-to place. You open up the app, you see all the new podcasts that have updated, you can listen to them directly there. They all live in that one app, and it could be the the sources you're getting them from are all over the place. So it's not like there's one service, and maybe some people still don't understand this. If you're a very basic tech person, you know, and you have an iPhone and you go into the podcast thing and you just subscribe to things, you may have no idea how it works under the hood. And with podcasts, everybody just hosts their own audio. So you go get your own web server, you host your own audio, and then you put the RSS feed out there and all of these services, whether it's the Apple, the Android, or a variety of these other third-party apps, they go, they get these listings. And when people subscribe, when you're listening through your podcast app, it should be actually pulling the audio from the creator. Although there have been places like what was it, Luminosity or whatever the hell the, that crappy service was that was actually oh, I taking remember that one. Yeah, they're taking they, the MP3. They wanted to be the Netflix of. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking your MP3. So that way the creators don't know how many people are downloading it. You might think that's great because bandwidth costs money. But then your advertisers are looking on if you have them how many people are listening, and those metrics are very important. The The Rogan deal with Spotify, you're well, that, absolutely and, right. And, and that, that, by the way, is in you problem unique to the advertising model. Podcasts on the value-for-value value model do not care. If you want to rehost grumpy old Ben's, please feel free to do so. As many places as you can, put it out there, share it, put it up on Pirate Bay, put grumpy old Ben's in, in front of your grandma. Um, she'll probably be angry with you for that, but, but she'll get over it. Um, because the more people that can listen to this show, the more people just like any value for value podcast, the more people listen, the more people are going to donate. And that is how you get more grumpy old bends. You want more grumpy old bends donate. That's how you get more grumpy old bends, right? You need to get your podcast out there. Uh, Adam Curry was just on a show, uh, about, email marketing with some guys he knew on YouTube, believe it or not. He said it was the only the second show he's ever done after Rogan. So he went, he was joking. I mean, he did the biggest podcast. And now these guys, I think they said maybe they had like a hundred average viewers. So but you're going from the biggest to one of the smallest. What was this show? It, I it, heard of this one. It is, it was just posted on YouTube. Let me find yeah, the, the, the link will be in the show notes is what you're saying. Yeah, I can, I can get the link in the show notes because I was watching it last night and then realized it was two and a half hours long so i've still got about an hour to go with the show but they were talking about how email marketing well they were talking about a lot of adam's backstory and how this whole podcasting thing came to be which was fantastic to listen to if you've never gotten adam's primer on all this stuff which means you probably didn't see rogan or any of that but it's another good place to and, get the and information this is the guy who still hasn't been on grimerica well, right, but Dorak has and Void has. Adam does not do a lot of podcasts. Mo no. has been on Grimerica. He who's been Mo? Mo Mo's been on Grimerica. Void Zero. Yeah. Why haven't you been on Grimerica? Uh, because I'm not big enough. <laughs> well, Void didn't even have a podcast at the time. I don't think when he went on Grimerica. No, he, so was, he was doing mags at the time. He was doing mags. But well, anyway, the Bohemoth that was. I keep interrupting. That's the a Mark terrible habit. show. Well, that's why you're a podcaster. And that's why maybe they don't have they haven't had you on Grimerica. I don't that's, know. Yeah, that's that's why you're the only person who will have me on the podcast. Well, that that and Hog Story. Well, yeah, they'll have you because, you know, they'll have anybody. Let's be honest about it. That's, uh, you know, 
Fletcher. I'm, I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the big Buford T interview. <laughs> the, that would be awesome. I would like although, to hear Buford T. Although uh, I I I had a I don't know if it's been announced yet. I had a sneak peek at who the guest is going to be tomorrow, and uh, it's a show worth listening to. Who is it? I mean, you're going to tell us, or is this just? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Am I allowed to tell? You're, who are you asking? The, the magical I, voices I gotta, in your head? <laughs> I'm, I, I know. I'm asking the person who just flipped me off across the room. It's going to be Dame Bemrose, my wife. Again? I mean, how many times could she be on that show? Why don't she just well, get no, her she, own podcast? She hasn't been on an official show. She's always been on the post show. She always oh, logs in after they stop recording. That's right. Because you were on the show. I mean, you two are pretty much the same. I don't really differentiate. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I'm angrier than she is. <laughs> but on this uh email marketing which is what these guys this is their bread and butter adam was talking about the model of no agenda and exactly why he doesn't care how many people download the show talking about how horrible of a metric it is because you can see downloads kind of but you don't know if those people listened because a lot of people subscribe to shows automatically download so you don't know, even if you have a million downloads of an episode, if one person listened or all million, you don't know. So it's impossible to try to get a metric from that. He did mention, and he touched on this a little bit on No Agenda, not as in depth as he went to on this show, that after the Rogan show in the Apple podcast app, that the stats that he could see went up astronomically after he was on joe rogan so i mean i know he's joking on the show that we, we picked up 10 people but I, I think they picked up tens of thousands if not even maybe a hundred thousand plus from well like the rogan appearance like i was saying with the the value for value model the number of listeners if, if you i mean if you have to report to the advertiser then you know may god have mercy on your soul but if if you're on a value for value model it doesn't you know, you're saying you, that you don't know how many download or how many listen. It, it doesn't matter. Um, that that's not really a useful statistic. The only useful statistic is how many people are are donating. And Adam and John keep saying they have ten people. Well, they picked up ten new donors, which is pretty good. Yes, uh, that they, that they know what people who have actually said I found you because of the Rogan show. And that is the other stat he talked about, which is people listening as opposed to people actually taking part in the value for value model, like 1%. A lot of people listen, never pay. And he also talked about something we have in the past, which is the difference. And we're going to talk about this a little bit too, from a normal subscription model where a guy like Steve Dahl, Chicago radio legend, when he went into podcasting, it was all by subscription and you had to pay. It's, I think it's a flat 10 bucks a month. And that's fine. I mean, there are people that believe it's worth that and they subscribe. But what he's missing out on are the guys that really like him, like the people you hear on No Agenda occasionally that come in with a thousand, two, three. I mean, I think we heard once like thirty five hundred. I don't know what the top donation they've ever gotten from one person, but it's in the thousands. And you, it, it it's it's a number that I would not turn down. I'll give you that much. Yes. And so you take the okay, I'm charging everybody ten bucks a month and nobody has any way to give you more, you may be leaving money on the table. So that's where the value for value model really works out. Uh, the best thing about this email YouTube program that Adam was on was that when he was talking about 
you're, you're giving them a hell of a lot of promotion for not bothering to name them. I just want to point out. I don't remember that. It wasn't a really snappy name. It will be in the show notes. It'll be a reason for people to go to grumpy old Ben's and, and looked it up or you can look it up on YouTube. I make, I'll make you go to YouTube because I know you enjoy them. And I'm sure if you look up the Podfather Adam Curry, you'll, you'll find it. But I'm just sitting there watching it last night before we're going to bed with the wife and Adam's talking about how the producers are so great and how, you know, they produce so much content in the way of art and all this other stuff. And then he's like, well, you know, even for our Mother's Day episode, we were talking about, you know, using the term smoking hot. He's like, you know, I say this on the next episode, we've got this. And then there's my voice. And my wife's just rolling her eyes like, oh, shit, this guy's on everything. And Adam played about 30 seconds of my when writing the no agenda show, please don't call, you know, smoking hot. Use these terms instead. And I, I did like that one. And Adam was all jitty about it. And I, it's fun. For, yeah. see, that's I, it. When you I, have producers. John got butthurt over it, which was even better. <laughs> it wasn't meant to make you know anybody feel bad. I just thought it was funny with all these you know different terms that you can use. But obviously, Adam really liked it. And uh, it was kind of fun just listening to a random podcast. And then there's my voice. It's weird. This whole oh. podcasting thing. I'm so not used to having an audience who's paying attention. Uh, during your talking, I was going and looking that shit up and doing a YouTube search just so that we could have useful information on this show. And right before I posted it in the troll room, Dwadnam already had it. And I think so did Digikuru. So there, we, we have people to do our research for us. How weird is that? People listen to our show. I'm still not used to that. The well, that's show that you are referring to was Email Geeks, Geeks, episode eight. It is the difference. Adam's absolutely right between having producers and having listeners, which is why right out of the gate, one of the things we knew we wanted to do once we got your feet wet a little bit with the podcasting was do it live and not necessarily do it live to tape where you can't do any editing, although we've gotten there pretty quick. But to be able to have input from the chat room slash troll room while you're doing the show, because it is, you get information that you might not have. People will fact check you. People will tell you you suck and it's all fun. And it's a much this more is, interactive. This is thing. the awesome thing about doing a live show. I mean, that's that, that, that has nothing to do with value for value. It's doing a live show. But they're adding with, value by giving us content back. There's a lot of live shows that and, don't have any way for people to instantaneously well, yes. get their attention. So, someone in the troll room is out of control. <laughs> That, that happens every, every podcast needs needs a live show and needs a troll room that happens quite often they get out of control the rogan thing the most interesting thing is he's shrinking his reach by a lot by going oh, from being by going on, exclusive yes and it's going to be very interesting once this is in effect, which will be by the end of the year, it looks like that you have to have a Spotify account and it's still free. So, I mean, that's one thing. People aren't having to pay for no. this. No, people are not going to be required to pay money for this. They're going to have as, to give as, their data. Yeah. As we have pointed out multiple times before, every single time that you are required to create a login for something, it's not free. You are giving up something, even if you're paying with your personal privacy and your data and with, with, Hey, I mean, sometimes it's just, uh, in increasing your security attack surface by having to, uh, you know, accept cookies and turn on JavaScript and open up your browser. Um, you know, not that most people don't 
you know, leave their browsers wide open. It's like walking around with your fly open all the time. But, um, but yeah, it, it's saying, oh, you just have to create an account. It's free. No, you have to create an account. It's not free. It just doesn't cost. It, they, they don't charge you money. And most Rogan watchers slash listeners. I mean, there's two different types. We do have the watchers and listeners. The watchers overall are using YouTube. I don't even know if he's available anywhere else. I think it is all YouTube as far as the video goes. And if you're listening, well, I, I, I use Invidious. The you have which any is just podcast a YouTuber. There, which is what? Oh, I use I use Invidious, which is a YouTube mirror, but it it it's YouTube videos without all of the garbage that goes along. Invideo.us. Nice. So it's basically they take the YouTube content. So, but his it's only posted on YouTube. Now, here's what's going to happen. If you're normally watching Rogan, you're going via video with YouTube. If you're listening, you've got Rogan's podcast in your favorite app. That's how you're listening to it right now. When this switch is made, neither one of those is going to work anymore. And the question then becomes how many fans drop off because of this. And I I, I think it's going to be more than Joe thinks. I agree. Probably less than I think should. (laughs) Probably. But it'll be interesting because you're trying to change the way people do something that they're already used to doing. And there's a lot of podcasts that I like. And if you have to go jump through more hoops to get them, even though I like them, there's a lot of other content out there that I don't have to jump through the hoops for. And if we just look at the YouTube thing, when I watch YouTube, sure, you can watch it on your whatever you got, your phone, your tablet or your PC, laptop, whatever you have, or for longer form stuff. I mean, last night watching the the Email Geeks podcast, I was watching it through a Roku. And that's how I watch YouTube on the big screen. Well, now that's how I normally would watch Rogan. So now that it's not going to be in the YouTube app, it's like, so you're telling me I'm going to have to have get a Spotify app for Roku and set that up. And when I go through all the other videos like, you know, Brian Brushwoods and the few things we used to watch some of the twit stuff, not so much anymore, but all of this stuff was through YouTube. Now, all of a sudden, Joe Rogan, just basically, it's like he dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. And you've, you've just pretty much nailed why uh, YouTube is superior to Spotify in my book. And, And don't get me wrong. I have, I have, I, I've done plenty of rants against Google I will continue to do plenty more. I even have uh, another one coming up on the po- same podcasting topic because of, of their censorship and the podcast addict story. Um, however, YouTube has one thing that Spotify doesn't support, and that is the ability to watch a video anonymously. Uh, Spotify is as far as I can tell, and if please, please fact check me and tell me how, if it's possible. But as far as I can tell, you cannot consume any of the content on Spotify without logging in. Yes. Neither on- audio or video. And when I tried, cause I had, I signed up for Spotify years ago when I tried to log in the other day because of this, the web version, even so through your browser. The first thing I got when trying to go to Spotify, log in through the browser was, you must accept this DRM bullshit. And I went, no, That's, nope, <laughs> no, thank uh, you. My, my experience, because when, when Rogan said he was going to Spotify, my experience was I went to the Spotify website, 
And uh, I actually, for science, I went there both on my desktop, which is where I normally consume content. And, uh, you know, I did this just for you, Grumpy Old Ben's listeners. I tried it out on my phone as well. Um, I normally don't go to websites on my phone because that is how you lose. It's not your phone anymore. Uh, But I could not find, I, I found a way to list podcasts. I found a way to even list episodes of individual podcasts. Everything that I did, I was not able to figure out on the desktop how to play anything without logging in. They are quite good at making certain it's a walled garden. Uh, you have to have an account, which I was not willing to do. So I guess I didn't really research it that much. But the interesting thing was on the phone, not only could I not, uh, play anything or but i couldn't even figure out how to browse using just the browser um every time that i tried to drill into a podcast on the phone it tried to redirect me to the app couldn't find the app and then tried to redirect me to the play store (laughs) which by the way is not installed on my phone so it just errored out big bad spotify confused yeah so uh congratulations their website is uh pretty much useless they if you're on the phone they want you to install an app here on grumpy old bins we don't think that you should be installing apps for most things and i'm also curious if anybody that uses spotify can tell me can you download things to your device locally or do you always have to stream from spotify i'm guessing they allow downloads but i'm not 100 percent sure what it is going to tell you well, I, I know that they they won't allow downloads of of the streaming music because that would completely violate their their copyrighted streaming music model. So if you can't if download stuff to listen to, maybe if you don't have an internet connection, then that is going to uh, well, one thing it's going to do for sure. If you if it forces streaming, all of a sudden Rogan knows exactly how many listeners he have, and that may make him cry. Because well, I, that that is the value proposition that Spotify has to advertisers and to podcasters is yes. is with the the strict walled garden experience that they have. They can tell advertisers and they can tell people exactly how many people listened. Well, actually, that's not true. They can tell you how many people streamed, but the the likelihood of streaming something without listening to it is at least lower than the likelihood of downloading something without listening to it. Yes, and Sir Eric is naked. Says you can download. There is a local cache, uh, Chronotoss as well, so it will at least cache that. So the numbers maybe won't so, be perfect, but okay. You still then, have to. Then log what in. I want to know is, and and this is a follow up question: um, If you can download music, does that just mean you can play it in the app offline, or can yes. you take that music and put it into another player? No, no, it's all DRM. I guarantee, only yeah, in their app. That's my guess. I well, like their podcast, which what because here's the other thing that's going to start happening, even though we okay. know I, I, I would like you to stop using that term for what Spotify supplies anymore. Which term? Podcast podcast. It's a, uh, a podcast as as created by Adam Curry and Dave Weiner. A podcast is uh, episodic content, which you can download and use offline. Uh, it downloads automatically from an RSS feed and you can you know play it at your leisure on whatever device you want uh that is the way a podcast was was created that is what i i'm gonna go ahead and gatekeep on this issue i'm gonna stand firm if you don't have a public anonymous rss feed from which you can download episodes and you can't download an episode to listen to offline in another player it's not a podcast uh now it's a show 
a, you can call it a Spotify show. You can call it a, a, a Spotify DRM lockdown recording if you'd like, but just not a podcast, please. Now, the question I have is how many people do you think that are Rogan fans that are going to take this audio from Spotify or this video from Spotify and then repost it somewhere else anyway? It's going to oh, that's going to happen. And if I ever want <laughs> and if I ever want to experience Rogan again, the have the Joe Rogan experience in my mind, um, that's how I'm going to do it because I'm not creating an account for this shit. Yes. And you know, that's the funny thing. I I've never been a huge Rogan. I, I'm not in the target demographic for this. I'm not, I'm not one of the people he was talking to when he said, Oh, you can just go over to Spotify. It's I've seen maybe 25 episodes of JRE in my life. And part of the, the, the big reason is uh, I don't do video. So it's audio only a part of the reason is I don't do ads. And so I, I kind of avoid content with ads, although at least he's nice enough to put them all at the beginning. So you can skip past um, that is a question but, if that's going to change the main thing the, the main thing i have though with jre is uh I, I don't have enough time in my life for multiple three hour plus shows a week and frankly no agenda is better content yes i agree rogan is much more a show i've only seen very few i mean i think i can count on one hand the full episodes i've seen one was nugent uncle ted the other was the Podfather. um maybe one or two others but i don't even remember what they were so it's a uh it's not something i consume all the time but i do believe where no agenda has a smaller audience than rogan i believe they have an audience that shows up for every show where rogan it's kind of like you look at the guest and go well do you think i'll be interested in that and then nope i mean that's how i pick yeah. rogan i don't know it, the rest I of the world and at the risk of of using a marketing term, uh, what what you would say is no agenda has a much higher engagement. No agenda is a show. It's three. It's six hours a week. It's three hours twice a week. It is a lot of content. And John and Adam will say that you know if you fall behind, then just always listen to the current one because that's the one that's relevant. And. And despite having said that multiple times, there are a large number of people who will create a backlog of no agenda shows and be like, I have to listen to every single second of it, even if that second was recorded a month ago. People do that. In fact, I, I've been known to do that. Um, I'll, I'll cue them up for I'm, I'm queuing them up right now for when I decide to start exercising again. But, uh, you know, JRE is is definitely one of those where. You, you you pick and choose what you're going to watch. There's a lot lower engagement in there. And and me personally, like I said, I, I don't watch it for Rogan. Uh, I, I think he's, he's a great guy. I think he's, he's a pretty good host and, and his interviews are interesting, but I don't watch interview shows because of the interviewer. There's, there isn't an interview show out there where I'm like, you know, I really like this interviewer and I don't care who's interviewing. No, it, it's an interview show. So I watch the ones where, the interviewee is somebody i'm really interested in and there haven't been that many yes and i will say if you're going to watch an interview with somebody rogan's one of the best to watch probably because of the fact that rogan doesn't put on airs he seems like a likable guy he doesn't talk down to anybody he seems oh, yeah. open to anything uh scott adams he, was he's talking one of about he's him. one of the he's one of the uh media personalities i'll just use that term i don't i, I don't mean it to be a an insult in this case um 
you could even say celebrity, although every time I use that term, it's an insult. He's one of the few people out there where I look at this and I'm like, you know, if, if, if we met in a social situation, I could sit down and have a beer with him. And, and that's certainly not true of the vast majority of people who make their living putting their faces on TV. Well, yeah, because he doesn't offend any side of the political aisle. He wants to hear what everybody has to say. And that's that's pure genius when you're doing a show. It, it, it's so rare. Yes, <laughs> it really is. Uh, Scott Adams was talking about this whole thing. And he said the thing about Rogan is it's not that he's better than anybody at any one thing. There's nothing that Rogan does that he is the superstar at. He's like, but he has like 20 different skills where he's way better than the average person. And you put all those together. And that's what has made his show work. And I agree with that. You know, he's so, he's a good listener. When watching the Curry interview, that was the one thing I noticed with Rogan is very good at going, okay, tell me about this. And then just shutting up. Yeah, yeah, that that's a skill that I've refused to develop. At <laughs> I, all. I've noticed. I, so lest this become a Joe Rogan. Hey, geography, uh, let's talk more about what he's done wrong, because because we're supposed to be grumpy here. Well, here's what he's done uh, wrong. I mean, here, just the numbers that he was reporting as of at least the spring of last year, which are the latest numbers, was one hundred and ninety million monthly downloads. But these numbers are interesting because if this was grumpy old ben saying that we would have four shows in an average month and that would be well, easy to if figure this out was grumpy old ben saying that we'd probably our servers would be melting down but <laughs> but we'd be able to afford nice big pipes and nice big servers yeah we'd be hosting no agenda so that is you know the question becomes how many people actually watch rogan how many people listen to rogan we're going to probably get much better numbers but those are still pretty good numbers 190 million monthly downloads in the spring of last year he has 8.4 million subscribers on YouTube, which is also interesting that it seems a majority of people are then audio consuming the show. I don't know if there's ever been a breakdown of how many people do the audio thing and how many do the video. The The odd thing was from watching on YouTube, I never saw ads with Rogan. And maybe that's because of all the ad blockers, the pile. Well, no, well, YouTube puts up ads. But if you use ad blockers like anybody using YouTube should. Uh, then you don't get them. Uh, Rogan does not put ads on his YouTube version. He puts them at the beginning of his podcast version. Yes. At least and at the end, which uh, yeah, that's well, who, who listens. <laughs> right. When the ad starts at the end, are you like, oh, well, gee, I just listened to a great two and a half hour interview. Send me some ads. I mean, I, I keep waiting for advertisers to realize that that podcast listeners are not engaged with their ads because they can skip them. Yes. And this is why I believe that part of the Rogan experience will change. I believe he's going to have to, in order to make this worth it to Spotify. Because again, let's just try to put this together. 190 million monthly downloads with the amount of shows that he has, plus the 8.4 million YouTube subscribers. This doesn't tell us a whole lot, except that maybe Rogan, what would you guess, has maybe 20 to 30 million dedicated fans who are watching everything or any guess I'm not at all even, i'm not going to speculate on numbers because any numbers that i come up with would come out of my ass and also would be easily fact checkable and i don't want people to think that the numbers that come out of my ass aren't accurate so <laughs> i'm not going to speculate here but what is an average month for rogan he does like three shows a week right is that three or four he's doing a week 
So that you would know, I'm give not even you- going to speculate on that. I don't know <laughs> if we're guessing. Let's just say about 15 shows a month, and there's 190 million downloads. I mean, just to make it very simple, that's just the little you know 10 or 12 million downloads per show. Which is if you only have, when I say only, just because we're talking about Joe Rogan, any other podcast that was like, yeah, they only had 10 million listeners, I'd be like, holy crap. But in Rogan's case, 10 million listeners. Does that really equate a good deal for Spotify? Who's going, well, we're going to give you a hundred million dollars to come here for those well, 10 for, first of all, listeners. And neither Rogan nor Spotify has said anything about the amount or, you know, that hundred million dollars probably came from a blog site. And, and I tried tracking it down and it was, it was one of those numbers that was quoted here and then quoted there and then mentioned that it was ca- talked about over here. And then somebody p- tweeted it and, and I was, I, after going down the rabbit hole for about three minutes, I was not able to determine where the number came from, but I'm assuming it's apocryphal. Uh, however, according to sources uh, familiar with the matter, well, according to John C. Dvorak, who is a source that I trust and, uh, who has no real information about this, uh, however, has been in the industry for a while of you know, whatever industry name an industry he's been in it for a while. Um, he says that over f- several years, that might be a reasonable number. Yes, that may be a reasonable Although number. He, the, he the, suspected it would be closer to 10 million. But either way, you know, um, paltry 10 million. I, I'd, I'd probably take that. According to Forbes magazine, when it comes to just Rogan's YouTube channel, and this may have totally changed, too, because we're going to talk about it in a minute too. something uh, that's going on with Scott Adams in YouTube and well, jumping ship from YouTube. but. According to Forbes, they were estimating that Rogan's YouTube channel was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars per month. So, again, you take, okay, let's just say 200,000 a month. Except, except that it's not, and that's YouTube's doing, but we can rant about that in a moment. Well, quite possibly. But you look at the amount of money there, and you, you have to wonder what he's making on ads. I have no doubt Rogan's making way more money doing this than he would have been keeping the current course of what he's doing. And I don't blame him for taking the money. I think this may be his exit strategy, which is I only plan on doing these podcasts for another two, three, four years, maybe tops. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you've just stolen my, my line, but uh, that's okay because we did talk about this before the show. Uh, I, I think that if, if this is an exit strategy, it was, it was, the question and the controversy is never about the money, never at all. It is all about his his reach. It's about his brand. It's about his audience. Um, if if you are Joe and you are thinking about, you know, I I feel like this has run its course, and and I'm probably gonna, you know, I'm I'm just I'm I'm thinking about getting out. Then going and signing a ten million, hundred million dollar deal. And then doing it exclusive on Spotify, burning your brand to the ground by putting it behind a walled garden and then going, yep, well, thanks for the money. I guess we're done here is a fantastic idea. If your priority is money, um, if, if he wants to keep doing this, then I even a hundred million dollars, I, I mean, it might be in his book and, and I'm certain he's made the calculation, um, but whatever the amount is be it 10 million 100 million five bucks i 
it, it it had better be enough to justify the brand damage that is being done by making your content exclusive. I it, it my 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 thoughts on the whole Spotify deal are actually pretty damn simple. It is putting your stuff on Spotify. It, it's great, you know. Make it accessible as many places as you can because that that means more audience. That means more people can do it. Making shit exclusive on Spotify big mistake if you want your brand to continue because i think that this is going to do far more damage to joe's brand than than he is letting on and maybe he realizes that and is okay with it i he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would make that kind of mistake without paying attention but uh it, it, the the jre has has officially peaked Oh, I would agree because this is going to lower his listenership i don't think there's a question about that the only question is how much and it's obviously not hurting him because he's getting paid but rogan's always been clear that's one thing i've heard from him a few different times telling the story including when adam curry was on his show this was never about the money this was just to have fun well it's all about the money now there's no question about that it's all about the money because joe had other options if he's worried about censorship and that is a very viable concern for him to have because youtube if if you're on youtube then it's not just a viable concern it's a certainty yes so i get that if you're looking then for a video platform youtube's not the one you want to be on if you're worried about censorship but there are places like BitChute. youtube's just not the one to be on it's not the one to be on and here's the thing like everybody talks about with no agenda social and mastodon why is twitter so much bigger they ask well that's because that's where the people are. People have commented things like, you know, if Donald Trump would get off of Twitter and go to Mastodon, the exodus would be massive. Every time that I chastise you for continuing to have a Twitter account, that is your excuse. Yeah, the people are there. You get more feedback, you get more eyeballs on Twitter for things you're wanting to promote, like the grumpy old Ben show. And that's just that's just the fact of the matter. But when it comes to with the censorship stuff now, Rogan could have gone to an, a, a different platform that isn't censored at all. They do exist. Or Rogan could have started his own. And I think that would have been a bigger money play. If Rogan would have come up with his own platform and then opened it up to other podcasters, but you know, he would be the guy. It would be his YouTube. It would be kind of like what Dick from the Dick Show did when Patreon start going after everybody and demonetizing them. Said, "Well, I'm going to open my own Patreon." Oh yeah, and it, and it's been pretty successful for a lot of shows that would not survive in the 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 social justice dominated media platforms out there like YouTube, like Patreon, and these places exist if you want to go the easy route and just put your show somewhere that won't be censored. But this could have been a really big deal for Joe rather than being, you know, he says he's not an employee of Spotify and that's technically true, but he is now. No, under no, he's their not control. their employee. He's their bitch. Yeah. Well, that was the word I was going to use, but Joe, <laughs> if you've ever seen the guy could kick either one of our asses. So I didn't want to, we didn't want to be offensive. He, you know, says his show's not no, going to change. I'll do that for you. Thank you. And I don't believe his show's not going to change. When Spotify gets the show, I think Spotify believes his audience is maybe even bigger than it is, and they believe everybody's going to come over, and they believe that since he's never been on Spotify, because he's been vocally 
against Spotify in the past because he's like, why am I going to put my show over there? They're not paying me anything. He was there's an article from like two years ago where he was going off and there's no reason he even wants his show to be on Spotify. Screw their people that are using that app. They're not paying him anything. He's not going there. Well, that changed totally. He's getting paid and he's only going there. But Spotify thinks this huge audience is coming over. It's going to combine with the people that are already on Spotify and it's going to be great. But here's the thing. Spotify has to sell ads to pay every penny of the contract they gave Joe Rogan. And if they're not making enough money to pay for his contract, you know what's going to happen? More ads, more asks, yeah, more ads or, uh, uh, you know, if, if for the tier that doesn't get ads, you know, especially if too many people uh, go to it, they just have to raise prices. That's I mean, that's what you do in business when you can't make your cost. I do see that as a possibility that you'll have. But, but you're but you're more likely, you know, you're right. It's more likely that the free tier gets a lot more ads. And I believe they're going to be interspersed in the content to where they're not easy to skip. And if they're if you're in the Spotify app, I'm guessing it's not like watching on a Roku or a device you actually control and can skip ahead in the Spotify app. They can make it so you can't skip the ads. And I believe this is what's going to happen with the Rogan show is the ads are going to increase. They're going to be placed within the meats of the content, not just at the beginning and the end. And what Spotify is going to start doing is selling you on their paid plans, which don't have the ads. So instead of being free, like Joe said, everything's going to stay free. Well, technically, sure, you can still get the show for free. It's now a five hour episode with three hours of ads interdispersed. Or, you know, you could pay us $15 a month and those ads go away. Sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. You, you started you you started this with the statement, uh, you know, let's face it, it's all about the money, and then described all of the problems of if it wasn't about the money. And I I, I have to agree with your original assertion. This is about the money, and and it it is almost a no brainer from Joe's perspective, uh, under the assumption that he is okay with the damage to the brand. Uh, in in fact, if if Spotify offered. Ten million dollars for Grumpy Old Ben's to go exclusive. Hell yes, <laughs> you're there. I'm there. You're down. And I'd start another podcast that was free somewhere else. Grumpy Old Ben's would be totally exclusive. So screw you all, all you listeners. Be like, yeah, hey, I would sell out. I would sell out in an instant. And I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that is what Joe did here. And good on Joe. Um, however, I'm going to go ahead and entertain the hypothetical situation. Uh, that what if it wasn't about the money and what if Joe really thought that going to Spotify was about increasing reach? Well, in that case, Joe, if you're listening, then uh, we here on the No Agenda Network, we will host your stuff with no censorship and we won't charge you, uh, but we also won't pay you <laughs> and you can get all of the reach of our network, all of the reach of whatever network you want to bring. Nobody is going to censor you. Your stuff can be here indefinitely forever. Take it over. I think he's going to take the hundred million or whatever. I it think may so be. too. <laughs> whatever I it think may so be. Too. Uh, there's talk in the troll room of a new Dave Rubin and Glenn Beck platform. I haven't seen that. So if there is a new platform, I am not aware of it. I mean, Glenn has his own um, internet I've, slash I've television accused network. In the troll room of being a Brit. <laughs> <laughs> you could be. Uh, just, I mean, not where you were born, just the mentality. No, because no, I said good on Joe instead of good for Joe. Good on Joe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. You pick these little things up. 
But yeah, I think there's going to be more ads. I think this is going to be a push for Spotify, even though they're saying it's all going to be free. The only way Spotify comes out of this making money is by getting you to give them money, not just through ads. And then, 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 then Spotify is doomed because I'm not going to give them money. I, I do think they are doomed, uh, but it's or did interesting. You, mean you as in the general public. Yes, you and in the general public. But I think a lot of people are under that same belief. And if there's like Progo mentioned, there's still the Pirate Bay. How many years have they been trying to kill the Pirate Bay? If Rogan does go a pay route where there's tons of ads and you can't skip past them. Well, the people will just start pirating the stuff because that will be available. You can get anything on the internet through torrents any television show doesn't matter if it's on broadcast tv cable or one of these like cbs where they played picard their own rolling their own type of uh, online only stuff it's all available on the internet for free somewhere if you know where to look and people just start looking more when it's a product they want and don't want to deal with the hassles and i mean there are hassles i can't believe it did we talk about the podcast addict thing on the last show, I don't remember when this happened, when they got pulled from the Google Play Store because they dared have COVID podcasts. Uh, I, I know. I believe this all happened on Monday or, or last Sunday. It was it was after the show. It's unbelievable that Google will actually go that far. And again, Google owns YouTube to go that far to keep COVID misinformation from their podcast. I mean, that's the- not what they're doing. That's what they say they're doing. Um, the, I I, I honestly don't know if anybody is at the rudder of, of YouTube or any of these. It, it, it's not the, 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 we must provide correct information for everybody is, is a ruse. It is a, an excuse. Um, I don't know exactly who's pulling the strings. I don't even think that it's in these companies because it's ridiculous to think that Google and Twitter and Facebook and all of these platforms jumped off the same cliff at exactly the same time coincidentally right um so i mean the the most plausible explanation believe it or not is the conspiracy theory that there's somebody pulling the strings and trying to uh direct everybody's thoughts and and mind control you by controlling your access to information and i hate doing that because everybody thinks i'm a crackpot already you are but I, oh thank you i i appreciate that but you're not uh, wrong to be fair <laughs> No, I never been uh, Google and, and and Twitter and all of these places where they're like, yep, we're going to ban everything that doesn't agree with this one narrative. We, we have gone beyond trying to protect people and are straight into thought control. We, we are, you know, the the idea that if you know, when the when the pandemic movie came out now, you know, now oh, Google yeah. is actually reaching into people's private unshared google drive accounts and deleting the movie from there because we can't possibly let people have access to misinformation where misinformation is something that they define entirely never mind that history has constantly uh proven the official line wrong in many many instances and there is no good reason to believe that the party line the from the who or whomever they're they're pushing is the absolute 100% correct one. History will demonstrate that, but some overpaid dipshit decision maker somewhere in the bowels of the Google Plex in Cupertino or wherever the fuck that Google Plex is, um, they're not, they're not going to be right. They are 
They are acting with such insane hubris saying our truth is the only possible truth. And if they honestly believe that line, then the company is lost because the people who are making decisions are so self-deluded to believe that they could be the only possible arbiters of human knowledge. Uh, that That is... That is Julius Caesar levels of of hubris and retardation. The most likely explanation is not that these people are actually, you know, that these smart people are so fucking dumb as to believe that there is no possible way that anybody else could have any be have anything correct or that that conversation could be worth. The more likely explanation is they are trying to thought control you. Yes. They are trying to control what you think, what you believe by controlling your access to information. And two years ago, what is six months ago, this was the kind of stuff that was only entertained as a conspiracy theory about, oh yeah, that Google, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're trying to, uh-huh, uh-huh, put your tinfoil hat back on. These people are, you know, yeah, they're trying to control. No, they really are. They're the going out and and when if somebody says the word covid in a tweet and twitter deletes it saying you're spreading misinformation or or going out and somebody saying something like uh, uh th- there was a meme that i saw pop up that somebody posted an image of uh you know with with no makeup on one of the cdc doctors and said uh you know this cdc doctor looks like a zombie and fucking twitter or google or whatever they're they're all the same company they took it down and said, you're spreading misinformation. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You are, your AI is fact checking an opinion. Now it's an opinion. This is not fact checking. There are no facts anymore. Not on that platform. There is propaganda there. There, there, I, I, I can't believe I even have to talk about this stuff. I, I, you know, I'm, I like to be aware of conspiracy theories because frankly, they entertain me. It's funny to see when, when you take the, the weirdness of human psychology and put it with, you know, the facts, the way that they kind of fit together in interesting ways, conspiracy theories are, are honestly fascinating if you can get past the, the knee jerk reaction of, of being against them. But I never thought that the, you know, conspiracy theories like, oh, they're out to, to, you know, ruin your mind and, and control what you think. I never thought that would be the most likely explanation, but it's the only thing that I can come up with that doesn't start with the people at Google are abject fucking retards who are so full of themselves that they've never looked out the window. Well, everybody should be afraid when the alternate point of view, whatever that is, is considered misinformation on its face without doing any kind of research. And we talked about that with, you know, YouTube's uh, problems. We talked about that with Facebook and their new Supreme Court of liberal lefties that they're going to use to decide which posts stay and which go. But CNN is no different. And I want to ask you, because I know you've listened to it. Another plug for this most recent Random Thoughts podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, where I want to know how, what, how you rate my rant on the CNN buffoon that posted on Twitter something along the line. I think it was Oliver Darcy, something along the lines of Fox News can't even get their stuff straight. One of their hosts says Trump's taking hydrochloroquine and it's horrible. The next one says it's great. 
Then they have a doctor on that said it's going to kill them. And then they have a doctor on that says it's fine. They can't figure out what they start. What are their listeners to think? And I'm like, what do you mean? What are their listeners to think? I'm like, this is admitting on CNN that you only show only report on one point of view because you're now blasting another news network for daring to have differing people on with differing points of view. That's not gathering news anymore. When somebody comes to you and you go, wait, no, I don't agree with what you're saying. Uh, so I'm just going to have this other guy on because he says the opposite. And I like that better. Was it a good rant? Well, I, I believe what I said to you in the back channel. And the reason why you're asking me this question <laughs> is because uh, I did. I, I said uh, it. What did I say? It gives gets eight out of ten Bemroses. Well, that is something to that effect. It, it it was. I mean, yeah, you, you didn't go full Bemrose, but you should never go full Bemrose. That's that's a terrible idea because people will think that you're unhinged. Uh, tr trust me, I have some experience with this. But yes, it, it was a quality rant, and I do recommend any grumpy old Ben's listeners go listen to that episode. Which again, a link to it will be in the show notes. Uh, that yes, Darren had so you know the. And, and I, I would just caution you, this is why you need to listen to Grumpy Old Ben's, because if if you let Darren go off and do his own rants, he starts to sound like me, and that can't be good for his health. So yes. please, for the sake of Darren's health, keep Grumpy Old Ben's going, and then go listen to Random Thoughts, just, just so that you know what, what this was like. It was, it was, I mean, it was just about full Bemrose. You, you were a little shy, you held back, and, and for that, it's probably best. You know, for the people that don't think that these organizations are doing this, you again, do your own homework. But there was I read about a group. Now, just tell me if this seems scary to you. It was a group that was led by George Soros, Bill Gates and Barack Obama. I mean, nothing bad can come out of that particular threesome. I'm sure they're all really nice guys who just want to do what is best for you and your family not for their own petty monetary and political gains. No, not at all. Don't worry about that. They're, they're having a thing where a bunch of the A-listers, and I don't really even know who is an A-lister in Hollywood anymore. One of them was Julia Roberts. And I'm like, is she still an A-lister? Is she still around? I mean, I don't know. She seems really old and kind of done now. Maybe I'm wrong. But a bunch of these actors, actresses, musicians, whatever, are giving up their social media for a day so like health experts could post things on their to their people, you know, to their crowd, to their tribe, if you will. And that just seems so disingenuous to me on its face that people don't see that, that you would have to go. Well, we know you have a big crowd, whoever you are, and we just want to take over your account and then, you know, throw some more mind control at people because like CNN listeners, that you have to be told what to think and once people are telling you what to think you should be able to pick up on the fact that they're full of crap this pandemic movie i don't yeah, know this, how much was this, factual, by the way but you know, this is my biggest complaint against all celebrities by the way they yes. have big crowds and they think that that means they can tell people what to think yeah i mean their opinions are fine i mean they're welcome to share their opinions but why they think they don't know better no you don't have to listen you shouldn't listen oh you know, no, and neither should you. And even though I've got problems with a lot of stuff, you know, Glenn Beck's the blaze, the reporting there can be crappy. I don't believe everything Glenn Beck says, but I think he's trying to do his best. You know, the same with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, but Glenn Beck was one of the guys and he's I watched a little clip of him the other day 
which I haven't haven't for a while. And he's still harping on the same thing, which is a phrase we've used here. Do your own homework. The minute somebody says that, even if they're lying to you, I believe them more because they're like, well, go look into it yourself. You know, don't take my word, you know, and that's what everybody should take away from every podcast, every newscast. Go take a story that you're like, well, something doesn't seem quite right about that and do some research. The Internet's there. You can do it. Just avoid Google. Go to DuckDuckGo or Bing or, you know, probably not even Bing. I guess DuckDuckGo or you know, where's where's the best place to get a good uh, I, I personally use DuckDuckGo, but there are there are plenty of other pay places. Uh, you know, start page is pretty good because they use Google's indexes, but strip out almost everything else. Um, I, I think that you know my position on on Microsoft has always been that they they want their their desire to track you is just as good as all the other Silicon Valley companies, but they're kind of incompetent at it. So uh, that <laughs> makes them safer. That makes Bing safer. Um, Bing would love to be able to thought control you, but they don't know how to do it and they don't have the audience to pull it off. So Bing is pretty good. Uh, however, um, as with all of these, I highly recommend that you, you minimize JavaScript, you turn off cookies and you set your browser to, uh, you know, dump your tracking that, that will at least help, um, you use a free VPN, of course. Oh wait, maybe not a free one. Yeah. Not the free ones. I mean, well, the, the fact of the matter is they are cheap. Something like NordVPN, if you buy it, yeah, for what like is it, the a couple three, bucks a month? Yeah. For if you go, well, if you go on the three-year plan, I think it's like $2 and something a month, which isn't bad. It works. Their speeds are much faster now that they've got the, uh, you know, the new protocol, the WireGuard stuff baked in. So their service actually got quite a bit better since we last talked about them. But it's something that you should do to protect yourself no matter what. And you always go to different sources, look for different things. It's always interesting to to do a search on different search engines at the same time and see what the top results are. It's uh, not all based. I mean, I know at first it was we all know, again, we're pushing a narrative because while it used to be, well, we want to get you the most popular pages. I guarantee you sites that are anti following the narrative on the covid they don't follow what the who is saying i guarantee those results are not going to be at the top of the google search result even if there are the best results so it's getting interesting there are gatekeepers there's no doubt about it and people don't overall know all the sites they want to go to search engines are a big thing just like uh, youtube is a big thing because they're a gatekeeper to the content and scott adams another guy who's pretty big. I mean, he's not quite Joe Rogan, but he has an audience. He did a video the other day talking about why he's jumping off of YouTube. And I was interested because he made the uh, the case that this isn't just for right-leaning commentators like he is. This is also affecting the left-leaning ones. So this is YouTube overall demonetizing any kind of political content. Anybody who has an opinion? Yes. Which is weird because a lot of people watch this kind of content, but obviously YouTube is afraid of it for one reason or another, or maybe the advertisers just don't want to get in on that. But that doesn't necessarily make sense either, because there are guys like Rush Limbaugh who make all their money on ads and, you know, he's making 25 million a year. So you can't tell me YouTube can't find advertisers who want, whether it's conservative or liberal content, you can find an audience on either side of that. But Scott Adams showed 
his YouTube earnings on his videos with the graph and where it started at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden there was a day you could tell that a change was made and everything just went to the bottom. And it's like, huh, this is kind of interesting. But his reaction to this was rightfully so to get off YouTube. Now, the question for him is also going to be, will people follow you just like Joe Rogan? Because does that matter? Maybe it depends on how much of it, you know, I guess it doesn't in the way that if your content is demonetized on YouTube anyway, there's no reason for you to be there unless you just want people to hear you and you maybe well, are selling other products, which he does. I mean, he writes books. So I, I, I heard Adam Curry uh, a mention on no agenda yesterday, uh, a term that he used, and I know he's defined it on previous episodes, but it, it finally clicked with me yesterday that he was talking, he used the phrase tribal media and, and you used the, the same term uh, that a tribe uh, a couple minutes ago. And it finally clicked with me that um, the idea of, you know, back, back in the eighties when, you know, seventies, when we were kids, um, there were only three channels and, and somebody would get, uh, you know, 20 million viewers for a particular show. And that right. was, that was a decent, you know, 50 million, whatever, um, you know, a, a significant chunk of everybody would watch a particular show and that was you know that was a big show and the idea that any non-trivial chunk of anyone would watch any given thing is an anachronism suddenly you the the future of media is not the big monolithic get on spotify and have everybody in the world listen to you because that just won't happen anymore there's too much content out there there's too much good content Nobody can watch all the good content anymore. Uh, the The future of media is the the media tribes where you get a, a decent sized audience, 10,000 people or so. And that's enough to get by. And that is the size of your tribe. Um, I, I, I feel like having to be on YouTube and, and having to get everybody is, is old school thinking anymore. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Adam talked about the the uh, tribes on the email geeks last night, which is why it was fresh in my mind. But that was what he said about going on Joe Rogan. He's like, well, no agenda has their tribe. Joe Rogan has their tribe. And me going on the Joe Rogan show, being Adam Curry, a lot of people from his tribe, went, I'm going to go check out these guys. And this is how yeah, everybody cross pollination is excellent. Yes, everybody and, wins. And, and you, everybody can each person can join whatever tribes they have time for, uh, you know, for in terms of long form podcasts, I really don't have a lot of time for anything outside the no agenda community anymore. And I I'm, I'm perfectly happy being a part of that tribe and, and trolling the hosts during the live shows. Like people are, <laughs> you are uh, a good troll, you know, even though but, you've got but, the, the, you know, the, the rights yes. and the, you know, you can't be kicked from the room. So that's, you know, you're, you're like the ultimate troll. You're like one of two people that can't be kicked from the room. Actually, uh, some time ago, um, I, I was asked by uh, one of one of the only people in the troll room with higher rank than I do. Void Zero said, uh, make sure that you're not opt during the show because, uh, you know, it, it it makes you look like you've got to, uh, you know, you're ahead of everybody. Or you're above, you know, it, it makes people think that that you're official and part of the show and everything <laughs> that you say and I'm like, well, fuck no. And, and now here's my problem. I still go into the troll room as Sir Bemrose, and it's been mentioned enough times now that people still kind of think I'm official, 
which means that when I say something, people are like, oh shit, the show thinks that I'm like, no, no. In fact, um, I, I troll Adam just as hard as anyone else and harder than most. Yes. And the show does not approve of all of the things that comes out of Sir Bemrose's mouth and neither do I. No. So <laughs> Sir Bemrose doesn't approve of everything that comes out of Sir Bemrose's mouth. Some of, some of that stuff's scary. Sir Bemrose should censor Sir Bemrose every now and so, then. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But speaking of censorship, uh, we, we've done enough time bashing on Google and YouTube, but did we actually talk about the, the podcast addict story? Like what actually happened? Um, I guess we kind of glossed over the fact, but before we hit that, the end of the Scott Adams thing is he's moving his content to something called locals, locals locals.com. I had never heard of this, but it seems to me to be very, um, very much like Patreon in the sense that you have to pay to get his content all aggregated in one place. And it's was the only thing different than Patreon is that I didn't see, you know, different levels. Patreon most of the people on Patreon have multiple levels. And if you give me this much a month, I'll give you this. And if you give me more, I'll give you this too. This wasn't like that. This was kind of a weird mixture. I think of the value for value model and Patreon because it was a $7 a month minimum, uh, but you a, could put a paywall in any amount. is not a value for value model. What'd you say? I'm just, I'm just going to put out there. Paywall is not value for value model. Those are different things. They're they're not the same. Right. I was say that's why it was a combination of set okay. said things because there's no set amount, but there is an amount. And I'm wondering how he's going to do. It'll be interesting to watch this, too, because I don't think there's a lot of people. You can still watch his video content on Periscope when he does his daily thing. This is just giving you more as far as, I guess, communication with him, which Bill O'Reilly does as well, which I think is weird. But a lot of people seem to buy into it, which is your normal subscription to his news. If you go on a yearly thing, it's like sixty five dollars. Or if you get what he's calling a concierge membership, I think it's a hundred. So you're paying an extra thirty five bucks. But with that thirty five dollars now, this I can't even imagine this. But for that thirty five dollars, the concierge membership, he guarantees if you email him. And you're a concierge member, he will reply. <laughs> no, I don't think well, you're that, willing. That, that doesn't take much. <laughs> no, I mean, I if guess. you email, if you email Adam Curry, he'll reply to almost everything. If you email me, then I'll definitely read it, but I probably won't reply because I don't like you. Which is like, well, is it thirty five bucks a year enough for you to respond to all the emails somebody's going to send you? I mean, that just doesn't seem uh, like enough. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? Thirty five dollars a year is, in fact, enough to set up an auto responding bot for all the emails you're going to send. Yes, I would do that. This isn't talking about an auto response. He's talking personal response. Maybe Scott Adams likes people more than I do. Well, that's Bill O'Reilly. This isn't Scott Adams saying that you should really follow along with grumpy old Ben's. It's a good show. If you would pay attention. I'm sorry. What show are we on? (laughs) Random thoughts. R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of a weird thing with Scott Adams, but YouTube I mean, they're losing Joe Rogan and Scott Adams, and they're two pretty big guys. So that'll be that'll be interesting to follow. But they deserve it when they're doing things like pulling this podcast addict app because of the fact of the content within the app itself. So this is basically saying, like bulletin boards being responsible for content back in the day being posted, this is saying, well, if you have an app and you don't censor people, we're going to pull the app. So. 
So here, here's the story as it was presented and, and as it blew up and made the entire world start to hate on Google. Uh, the story was that the podcast addict app, which is, is an app that you can download and we, we don't believe you should be downloading apps, but this one was pretty useful. Uh, it allows you to, you know, they, they have a catalog, but you can also plug in an RSS feed and it allows you to pretty much get any kind of podcast. And it's a, it's a podcatcher. It, it goes out, downloads new episodes of whatever you're subscribed to, lets you listen to them in your free time. That, that is a podcast. Um, these people, the, this app was taken down from the Google play store because they got, they got a message that said it was taken down because it violated their policy on COVID-19 misinformation. And in particular, it violated their policy by allowing people to talk about COVID-19 and spread misinformation in the app without doing anything in the app to to stop it. And this is, as you just pointed out, and as um, pretty much everybody on the internet pointed out, this is utterly ridiculous that you would require an app that allows anybody to post anything anywhere. And in fact, allows the user of the app to go out to uh, an RSS feed you've never heard of and download podcasts that, that you would censor it for not, for not somehow listening to every single podcast as it's downloaded and blocking it is ridiculous and i'm wondering because i don't think this is the case but i would wonder if google has a list of like banned podcasts where it's like if this is in your store then you can't be in our store i don't even think uh, that's no, the case uh, well i highly doubt that so there is a second part to this story that uh it came out last night uh was um well it's a, the first thing that happened was uh hiroshi lockheimer who is the senior vp of android he was actually one of the founders of android before google bought them um he tweeted which which i'm in my opinion doesn't count for much but that's how people communicate these days he tweeted a personal apology saying we made a mistake my bad and they did put the podcast addict app back which is good uh which is good so the controversy passed and the fact that everybody freaked out about this treatment uh managed to accomplish what it was that the internet wanted which was stop censoring this app uh but the whole reason why i wanted to bring it into grumpy old ben's given that the situation has been resolved is to just point out that google is doing this and that they are capable of making a mistake like this um google claims that it was an ai that did it now i'm not actually <laughs> sure how an ai can look into an arbitrary podcast and decide that the app that's capable of playing an arbitrary podcast is wrong. Uh, that really feels like somebody went in and, and clicked something saying, no, this can be used. But regardless of whether some person at Google or some AI at Google went in and decided to censor this based on potential hypothetical things it could play, both scenarios are equally Orwellian. And the very fact that Google is going in and censoring shit because it could be used to play something that you might want to play should really tell you everything you need to know about Google. Yeah, they're pushing a narrative, believe it or not, no matter what aspect you're talking, search results, app store, anything like that. 
and they are the gatekeeper because well cell phones and when you really look at the the landscape of the world there's pretty much two choices apple or android when it comes to cell phones i know there's some outliers but that's what a vast majority of the world uses which means you have two governing bodies if you will that can control any of the content that goes onto those devices and yeah i know we can root the devices if you want to if you want to opt out, there are ways of doing it. You can go get an OTG phone. You can put F droid on it. You can avoid using any of the official stores. They're not easy. And that's the reason that Google and Apple are the gatekeepers for almost everything on phones. It is possible though. I just need to point that out. And on the, on the Scott Adams thing, Digi guru and the troll room says, thanks to the Dilbert empire. He has that fuck you money for the rest of his life. And you're absolutely right about that. And the interesting thing with Scott Adams now with his daily coffee things, which is, you know, public speaking more or less because you're in front of a crowd, even though they're virtual. Have you ever heard the story of Scott Adams when the first people that ever wanted him to come speak? And I think it was like in a business or something that he wasn't comfortable with public speaking. Did you ever hear the whole story of how he tried to get out of it? Uh, you're going to tell it. It is. It was fascinating. It was in one of his books. I don't remember which book it was, what the title was, but he got this call that said, we want you to come, whether it was speaking in front of a corporation or college. It was it was something big that there was going to be a big crowd and they wanted him to come speak. And so he calls up his lawyer and he's like, look, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with public speaking. I don't want to do this, but I don't want to be a dick. So what you know, how should I respond back to him? And the lawyer told him, well, it's easy. Just, uh, you know, tell them a, a crazy amount of money, make some demands. Then they'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's out of our range. We can't do that. So Scott, I'm like, okay, this is a great idea. And there was someplace up in Canada, if I remember right. So they're always and he's like, it'll take me one hundred dollars. Oh. <laughs> that would okay. That would be a little low. But he went, well, what would be a crazy amount? He like wrote him back, you know, texted him, email, whatever it was. He's like, well, you know, it'll it's a ten thousand dollars, you know, first class airfare. Put me up in a hotel. And he sent that off figuring, no problem. There's no way you got to call like a minute later, like, oh, that'll be fine. We'll get you. We'll get you the information. <laughs> so, so it sounds like somebody had a budget to blow. Yeah, it did. I just <laughs> thought that was hilarious. You know, again, this kind of goes down to the value for value thing. It's like he wanted to get out of the public speaking. So he set an amount he thought nobody well, would pay. And they were like, oh, uh, that's great. The The lesson there is don't set an amount. Let, let the <laughs> buyer bid. Right. because. If if you set an amount, if you're too high, you can negotiate. If you're too low, you're leaving money on the table. Right. I mean, they might have offered you twenty five. I mean, you don't know. You know, that's the yeah. beauty of the that's the beauty of the whole I mean, thing. They they might have. I mean, they might have gone up to seventy five or hundred thousand. I mean, like who knows? I mean, that's Bill Clinton money, right? And I'm thinking he's really started enjoying the public speaking after that because I know at that kind of rate, I would really enjoy the public speaking, even if you weren't comfortable. You'd get comfortable pretty quick. So we've already gone over 90 minutes and we haven't talked about anything tech. Well, that's not true. We've talked about, uh, on online services, but this I actually is have tech. some stories that are geeky. Well, yeah, but before that, let's just, I mean, how do you oh, prefer? Cause there's you keep wanting to finish this story with this whole podcast thing. Okay. So now we have okay. Rogan who's going only on to the Spotify platform. I mean, we know the no agenda thing. They're open. They're everywhere. You can post the crap. On your own YouTube channel, you can disseminate it in any way you want. I mean, I could take these FCC edits I've been doing for WCKG here in Chicago 
and I could post them on the Internet as censored versions of No Agenda. And John and Adam would be like, oh, that's cool. Nobody cares. That's the whole way that's put out there. Kevin Smith went to Stitcher for one year, and I guess that didn't work out for him, kind of like the Rogan Spotify thing. Now, Kevin Smith, this just happened like about two or three weeks ago, has his own paywall thing, even though his podcasts are still free. If you want the back catalog and more access and little trinkets, kind of like a la a Patreon, he basically started his own Patreon thing without using Patreon. Uh, tell him Steve Dave, which I know you just heard Brian Johnson from that on Who Are These Podcasts, one of your other favorite shows. Tell him Steve Dave, they went to Patreon and I was a big fan of their show and still am. I wanted to pitch in, if you can use the corny term. So I jumped on their Patreon, pitched in for six months or so. And when they they start adding more content, but it was content of other like people that were in their circles kind of a thing. So kind of like if we started doing a Patreon and then went, you know, hey, Sir Matthew, can you like do a weekly show for us so we could just give people extra shit, but we don't have to do the work. That's kind of what tell them Steve. Actually, Dave did. Sir Matthew, can you do that, please? <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Can, I, I'd, I'd sure like you to do a weekly show. I know he started really strong. You gave him the Super Bowl slot after no agenda on a Sunday. And then he uh, he slowed down really quick, which is a lot of podcasters do that. They they think they have a lot of content and then they realize well, it's in, not easy. In his defense, the entire world went to shit. That, well, that yeah, that fact, but that did. But if he was hiding at home under his desk, he could be talking a lot. No uh, question. And I, I know I am. <laughs> There's no question about it. But so with the Patreon would tell him Steve, Dave. I jumped off the Patreon because they didn't stop doing the mother freaking ads on the main show. And it's like, yeah, I, I, if, if people are donating in this they case, gotta you pay know, the bills, gotta, gotta <laughs> pay for your 12 producers. Yeah. When you have, and I think they're, they were up to like immediately like 7,000 people that were paying on average of at least 10 bucks a month. I think the bills are paid just a guess well again i mean if if your npr you hey, just starting a podcast you need a budget of a hundred thousand dollars because there's 17 <laughs> people who have producer or editor titles or or whatever hey i just lowered my rig budget by about 260 dollars with this new microphone which i think sounds fantastic i mean i still have the other one so i mean i just paid more but um, this will be something we'll be recommending to people. You don't have to spend a lot of money on gear. You don't need that $100,000. There are so many different ways of podcasts out there. I mean, I think you and I agree the value for value model seems to work best. I have nothing against people that do Patreon or paywalls and try to do this dance of we're going to give some stuff free and some stuff's going to be paid. It's uh, as of yet, there's no perfect answer. And there's a lot of different things people can try. But the value for value one, at least to me, seems the most organic and it seems the most fair. So coincidentally, I, I finally finished watching uh, both Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, which means that I can completely unsubscribe from CBS All Access because there's really fuck all else on that network. I have seen not an episode um, of either. So how were they? Were they worth it? Well, OK, I am going to give you a piece of information that kind of summarizes my opinion of the shows or at least summarizes the state of the shows. And and I'm not convinced. I don't think this is Star Trek specific. I think this is the state of Hollywood, which kind of explains why I don't watch new Hollywood stuff anymore. But here is the information. Um, and and I, Discovery is like is likely or likewise or uh, they, they, both shows are like this. 
the opening credits, the opening credit sequence uh, of the both shows, the opening credit sequence of Star Trek Picard had six actors, uh, two writers, one director, and 22 producers oh, wait, <laughs> of the dude. names that showed up in the opening credits. Nice. Um, that describes to me 22 producers. That right there, that is what is wrong with Hollywood. You have six people who are, you know, you've got, two writers, one director and six actors. Those are the people doing the work. The producers are, I mean, for the most part, they, they contributed something. And in exchange, they got their names in the opening titles, but 20 fucking two of them, the opening titles for Picard are a minute 47. Which to is show a- the names of 22 <laughs> producers. You know, they've um, always had long openings because watching there Voyager, are too fucking many people pissing in that pot. That's all I'm saying. All I can tell you is watching Voyager right now. It takes 10 clicks of the forward button on the Hulu app to get past <laughs> the main. Exactly. You know, it's it's too much. And I mean, uh, Hollywood. The, the CBS, the CBS app, it, uh, the, the forward button is useless because I think it only goes forward five seconds. So I always grab the timeline. I look at the current thing. I mentally add a minute 40. And then I just click on the spot in the timeline. That is a better way to do it. Um, actually, here's here's my other review of Picard. And and I was asked, I was, you know, I had somebody tell me, well, you know, what what is your biggest complaint with that? I mean, all the Star Trek shows have have had, you know, have been a little campy. And and my 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 real problem with it, other than the fact that the the writing is not fantastic and the acting is generally shit and uh, the directing is is fly. The special effects are flashy, but otherwise, uh, you know, pacing is completely wonky. And I mean, practically everything. Go watch the Plunkett review or Plinket review, uh, the Red Letter Media review of Picard, if you really want it to be said correctly. But here's the thing that I found to be unforgivable, and that is, uh, both shows were not done like episodic Star Trek back in the day. Uh, you know, back in the day, they would come up with a plot and they would do a, a 47 minute episode right the ncis that, model that, yeah started the plot ended the plot it, it was a full story and the only thing they would recycle from show to show is the characters and the setting and that worked really well that's star trek that's what star trek was um both discovery and picard were done where the entire season is a full story which again is a pretty modern way of doing hollywood things but here's the thing. We all remember from back in the day, there was the the Star Trek episodes that had the the pants on head insane plot like uh you know a, a, an alien probe comes and transforms the Enterprise into uh an Egyptian shrine and gives data multiple personalities. Or uh you know the Voyager catches uh a virus that transforms everybody into their prehistoric lizards or something. Uh I mean these were actual Star Trek plots, and we looked at it and went, that is fucking pants-on-head retarded, but I only had to sit through one episode of it. <laughs> right, so if it sucks. That that plot, that level of, of, of head-scratchingly, what the fuck is going on? Did they even think this through? Nothing about this is plausible. Yeah. That is Mushroom Drive on Discovery. That is... All of season one on Picard. I, I don't understand what they're doing. It's like 
it's like nobody watched the good episodes of star trek they went and watched the episodes where the plot made no fucking sense there was no consistency with the the universe and 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 again it has been pointed out that yeah star trek has done this star trek does the occasional episode that is completely stupid plot that is not consistent makes no sense doesn't fit and you just you're like okay let's just throw that one away and next week it'll be good but not with picard not with discovery next week on discovery they're still going to have a magical ship that teleports because it's on magic mushrooms um <laughs> Next week on Picard, they're they're still going to have a, a, a zombie Picard with android parts who is being plugged into a machine where Data never died. Sorry if I just ruined the ending, but the <laughs> ending was that fucking pants on head stupid. Well, Hollywood is not having a great run of new ideas. They're not having a great run of writers, and you're what you mentioned. I think is absolutely right with how many people are involved with a particular project. It's a lot like country music. Way back in the day, one writer sat down, wrote a hell of a song. If you look at anything being played on country radio now, there's a minimum of three songwriters, sometimes four, five, six, ten. And it's like, this is a three minute song. You don't need <laughs> that many people involved. You know, this all is that's like a that's like a jitsy jingle put together <laughs> right everybody give a word and we'll somehow put it all together but there was a story that kind of spreads between the podcast world and the hollywood world which is are you familiar with john krasinski of office fame and jack ryan on amazon the some good news i heard these names the uh he's been doing on youtube a little series called some good news because of this whole pandemic okay. he was at home and it was like a little news show with only good news and he did eight episodes of this are you, are you familiar with this at least a little bit i'm not but but you'll go ahead and tell me the important parts well that was kind of the important part that was the whole show it was john krasinski okay. in shorts and wearing a suit top so it was always funny you know he'd get up and he wasn't wearing okay. pants because he's like us he's a podcaster you don't have to wear okay. pants you're at home so like me right now exactly Except yep. for the fact he did eight episodes of this. There was a little sign, you know, SGN for some good news that his daughter's painted behind him. It was all very homespun fun. He talked to people from his, you know, the office. Uh, David Ortiz, Big Pappy was on a show where they were giving stuff back to like the first responders and nurses in Boston. So it was a nice feel good show on YouTube. It was a YouTube series, eight episodes. And they had 2.56 million subscribers on YouTube. But that's the whole premise. You're not missing anything. The premise was, let's spend 20 to 25 minutes just talking about good news, uplifting things. CBS Viacom, following a massive bidding war, got the rights to do more episodes of this. Not with John Krasinski, just they're going to put somebody else in the host of the show. So they paid a lot of money for the name. I'm guessing, but I don't even know some good news it would seem hard to believe that that was new. Because <laughs> you can't copyright a show concept. No, and you can't copyright so the, a title. If, if you don't, if you don't buy out the the job working contracts of the people on it, then all you're paying for is the name. And titles aren't copyrightable, so they're kind of. And he's going to be an executive producer on the show, but not star in it. Totally. Uh, the top episode was downloaded 17 million times. So, I mean, you're talking maybe a Rogan-esque show, but there were only eight episodes. 
little 20 minute things. And it sounds like the bidding war went in well into the million. So John Krasinski, I applaud. I mean, I would take the money and run, but I don't understand what they were buying. That's still what I can't figure out. It's like he start doing a homespun YouTube show where he was just talking about good news. It looked very much like a newscast. It was just talk to people like there was one girl who had beat cancer, who got out of the hospital, of course, couldn't have a party because lockdown. So he talked to her, you know, just some very good heartwarming stories. I don't know what they bought, though. I applaud him for well, doing in, them in, in this glut of media that we're being in. Uh, what What is truly prices priceless is a good brand name. And I, I can tell you one thing. These old school media companies who don't know how to generate content on their own uh, still have enough money that they want to buy up as many quality brand names as they can so that they can destroy them. Yes. And, and that's. You know, uh, my primary way of consuming Scott Adams or Joe Rogan or just about anything else is uh, you, somebody will post a link on No Agenda Social or or maybe I'll read about it on Reddit, although that place is cancer and I, I'm, I'm really significantly reducing my, my use of that site. Um, but some kind of link aggregating sites. My, the way that I consume Rogan is somebody posts a link and they're like, Hey, this, this interview with so-and-so is really interesting and you should check out, especially at time code, blah, blah. Right. And that's how I consume Rogan because I know I don't have time and I'm not interested in going out and watching every little bit of content he puts out. But I know that somebody whose opinion I respect is going to post a link saying this is good. And there's so much good content out there that when somebody posts a link to content, uh, then, I, you know, somebody posts a link to somebody I've never heard of. And I'm like, this was a pretty good show. And, and if it's really good and I like their presentation, I might check out some more of their shows. And if it's really, really good, then I might, you know, put it on the stream in case I want to subject you all to it. Uh, but that's how I consume Rogan. That's how I consume snippets of, of Scott Adams is, is somebody posts a link. And here is the inherent problem with the subscription model. Uh, that entirely 100% goes away if in order to see even a, a clip or snippet, you have to have a subscription. Then yes. that, that is what destroys your brand. Because I think that what I just described, the way I consume media, is actually how most people, even if it's... You know, every one of us has our tribe. We have we have the bits of media that we're really invested in. Uh, you know, I don't need somebody to post an episode of No Agenda to know that I'm going to go watch it. I don't I don't need somebody to post a snippet of of Hog Story or Nick the Rat to know when I can go watch it live and troll the hosts. But that's about the full limit of shows that I pay attention to live, and that I will. You know, there's there's only a handful of shows that I will go out and consume and listen to every episode. And I think that's true of most people and for discovering new shows and for any show where you have partial engagement, which, which I am pretty confident, although I have no data to back this up. I am pretty confident is the bulk of most show listeners is people with partial engagement who are not going to go out and, and consume religiously every single piece of content you put out. But when they see your name, drop across their feed they'll be like yeah i'll check that out i think that that is that is the bulk of people watching today and putting anything behind a subscription paywall completely cuts it off 
it, we, it be, because if I can't go, you know, I'm not going to con- have a subscription to your podcast. If I only watch a snippet every 12 episodes, you just hit on something that we didn't even talk about with the Rogan thing, which just blew my mind, which is, can anybody even post video clips of his shows? Those little five minute things. Once it's on Spotify and locked down, I, I doubt it. Yeah. No I, more I mean, YouTube, no more that, you know, that's, Twitter, no more Instagram. Here's that a is clip. not. That is not how it works with Spotify. And that honestly was the very first that the very first thing I thought of when he said he was going Spotify exclusive was nobody is going to be able to post a five minute clip of Rogan anymore because that is that is I hate YouTube. I, I think that Google is a thoroughly evil company. But one thing that YouTube does right is you can watch a five minute clip anonymously without logging in without subscribing without doing it i have never once subscribed to a youtube channel but you know what i still watch five minute clips on it why because i can do that anonymously and unless somehow the rogan effect is able to change the spotify model to allow anonymous users to come in and watch five minutes of something and then, you know, go back out, which completely violates their engagement model. And I don't see any reason, even with Rogan coming on board for Spotify, I've seen no motivation for Spotify to ever change this model. You will not be able to ever see Joe Rogan's face again without a Spotify subscription or account. In response to Progo in the troll room, Sir Bemrose doesn't do anything passively, but you're absolutely right. You are not a good Grumpy Old Ben's producer if you're not posting clips all over the internet of the magical <laughs> and insightful things we say. Just pointing that out. Uh, speaking of the socials, there was some interesting stuff on Twitter, which I just came across this on Breitbart because I had no idea this was happening. Do you know Twitter is currently rolling out a new feature? And this was a liberal, liberal reporter, of course. I, I did not know Twitter was rolling out a new feature. I know you're not more. on Twitter. The There was a liberal reporter that was already uh, testing this thing out. It will allow people to block replies to their tweets, because I guess the liberals were getting hammered a little too much every time they post something thought, that, that everybody that, that feature was hates them. The feature was a few months old now. Maybe. This or, is uh, I, I heard about it a few months ago. Maybe they're just turning it on now. It may be, but I've never heard that this is actually uh, in, in effect, which is hey, you put a tweet out there and you can block anybody from re- uh, responding to that tweet. So you're not blocking them on Twitter. You're just taking I don't any. Think it's, I don't think it's just liberals. I, well, I no, think I it's agree. fragile people from all over the place. Well, people get hammered for the things they post. So this is now an easy way for somebody yeah, to post something Twitter they is know is crazy. And then go, well, yeah, I'm not going to allow anybody to reply. So this could just sit here and you can all read it, but you can't reply to this thread. And it's like, well, that kind of just takes Twitter from what it was into something totally different and not something better. You know, one of these days I might take you through uh, my my theory as to why uh, having global namespaces in social networks is is just as bad as having a global namespace in programming uh which is uh well it it doesn't make any sense and is actually harmful to decide that you are going to create something global containing everyone and throw them all into one giant bin and say okay now talk amongst yourselves well, it's duh. 
Well, the Muslims I, I, don't get along with the Christians. The Jews don't get along, you know, with the Palestinians. But, but, uh, but what I just described is how every social network works. Yeah. Uh, and and you know the 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 genesis of this idea had little to do with how people interact, and had everything to do with the fact that if you're not one of the first ten thousand people on the platform in the first five minutes of it launching for the first time, uh, that you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to be able to get your name, Darren O'Neill, unless you've been on it forever. You're not going to be able to get. You're you're going to have to be like you know, uh, uh, you know, Ryan two three five zero seven or something. Because the namespace is so saturated because it's a global namespace, which is ridiculous. Uh, it, and qualified namespaces make a whole lot more sense because I can be Sir Bemrose at No Agenda Social knowing that any other Sir Bemrose out there can be the Sir Bemrose of their personal tribe. And we don't even have to know about each other, let alone have conflicts with our name. Um, you know, would, would you have any interaction whatsoever with the the Irish basketball star or whoever the fuck he is, the uh, Darren O'Neill. Yeah. The, uh, Irish boxer. boxer. Yeah. The, the Darren O'Neill, who's a boxer. W- would you even know that that guy existed if you weren't in conflict in the namespace on Twitter? No, he's a really nice guy. I've had conversations I, with I believe him on that. Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, you know I what? believe that, but you're not part of the same tribe. No. You know who and, else I'm not part of the same tribe with? The Darren O'Neill, who thinks his email address, and there's, I have multiple of these Darren O'Neill's running around, which is a scary thought. I know for everybody, but there's one in Canada and there's one in the UK. The guy in the UK believes his email address is Darren period O'Neill at Gmail, which we all know the period does nothing in Gmail. So I don't know <laughs> what his actual oh email is, but I occasionally tell, get tell, messages. Tell him to change it because it needs to be Darren plus O'Neill. That would be better, but then that would just be Darren because anything after the plus then. Yeah, who, but it doesn't go to you then. So yes, who cares? That is true. <laughs> He uh, he signed up for Match.com in the UK, and what I have to do when these things happen, because assholes like Match.com don't require somebody actually verify an email address before they start spamming you daily. Oh, God. So, you know, I'm like, oh, you have matches, and I'm like, what the hell? So I go in to Match.UK or whatever it was, and I'm going through it. First, I change the password, and then I delete the account, because then he'll figure it out. I hope that he's not going to do it again. You, you have matches. Can I use them to burn your site down? Perhaps. I mean, I, I was looking at his matches and the women of the all UK kind of matches, not all that just what his matches were anyway. But here was the weird thing in his profile. Darren O'Neill, six foot five. And I'm like, holy shit, there's like two of us, except he's like 32 <laughs> and I'm 50. So I don't know. Maybe I have a son in the UK that I don't know about. It would. Uh, uh, well, there there was that time when you served overseas. <laughs> there was. I missed that part. There were there were a few drunken nights. There was an Apparently alien drunk abduction. enough. You don't remember the time at all. Yeah, that could be. It could have been an alien abduction. I don't know. But yeah, people don't know that. Don't know the, that don't know their email address. And uh, the, the last thing on Twitter, this shouldn't be a surprise to you. Researchers at Carnegie Mellon University took a look at 200 million tweets that were they were go, looking at tweets that were talking about COVID-19 of the 200 million tweets by running these things through their algos and all that and looking at you know followers following and all that how many of those accounts of those 200 million tweets do you think they believed were bots uh well i i 
I mean, do you count NPCs amongst bots? Because I would say almost all of them. No, not the NPCs, not the actual people who are brainwashed, but they're, they believe it's so hard to tell one half of the accounts tweeting about COVID are bots, which is just hilarious when you think about it. I mean, you're old enough. You're old enough to remember Zelda, right? Yeah. (laughs) Which or Eliza. I'm sorry. Eliza. Oh, I was going to say, there's a new Zelda game comes out every year, so everybody's yeah. old enough for that. Yeah, I have played Zelda. The Eliza, which was like the original basic program where it was oh, yeah. you know, trying to fake you into believing that it was a real human, which is the, some test. What's that called? The Turing and, test? And it was successful, not because it was advanced or, or clever, but because lots of humans are really that dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't realize that the responses coming back are canned. You know, stuff like, oh, why do you feel that way? You know, there were some very interesting <laughs> things where it would pull out a keyword. And this was like the beginning of AI. And this is going back probably, what, 40 plus years that uh, these bots are very, very easy to believe. It's easy to be faked out yeah. by these. And well, I've, I've always thought that the Turing test is not terribly useful, not because it's difficult to pass for a bot to pass the Turing test, but because passing the Turing test is such a weak result, given how automated sounding a lot of humans are. They are getting worse. The more you're dealing with cell phones and texting and emojis and abbreviations, which is why I think podcasts moving forward aren't going to be as overloaded as people think, because I think it's very hard for a majority of people to have a comprehensive conversation, whether it's a solo show, multiple people, it doesn't matter being able to you, actually you don't even need a podcast in that. It's hard for people to have a real conversation. Yes. So stringing a few words together, I think, is getting to be more and more of uh, something people can't do. The attention spans are getting very short. Um, and uh, you saw what I did there. Was that pause intentional? <laughs> yes, that was excellent. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I, I mean, that's what I do believe. And the people that are falling for this, that's why I can't have debates with people on Twitter anymore and more than like one or two messages. And then they just get blocked because I do believe I've run into bots and they just come back with stuff that makes absolutely zero sense. And it's like, yeah, I don't have time for that. And usually they have like I, I, zero I'm, followers. I'm just saying that that once you filter out all the bots and the NPCs, it turns out that you're actually the only person on Twitter. This is just a computer simulation, right? None of this is real. I've taken the red pill or the blue pill or the wrong pill or something. I don't know. So now that we're out of time, would you like to get into some actual stories that I looked up? Or We just talked about a lot of stories. Yeah, we did. did. I mean, I've got have one left and that's I mean, so we've talked about all my stories. I mean, I guess I was. Oh, I see uh, how it is. I guess this is a this will be a good show. (laughs) People will have liked the show moving forward. Well, um, (laughs) maybe that's it. Yeah, because we didn't get to anything. I. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple options. I've got, uh, I've got some good news about open source. Um, I, or I have the easy jet hack. Uh, let's go good news, open source. Cause the easy jet okay. just seemed way too depressing that none of your data with any of these companies is safe. Yeah. And, and honestly, the, the commentary would be the same thing, which is that, uh, anytime that you give your information to a large company uh there's a good chance that that large company is going to get hacked and i mean not not like uh, not like 10 percent or anything really high but there is a chance and we give our data to so many companies that uh it, it's just you need to get into the if you want 
to not have, I mean, in this case, it was credit cards and CVV values. And I, I mean, the works for an, an entire identity theft kit. And if you want to minimize your risk of that, you need to stop giving your information to big companies, because even if you trust the big companies, they will get hacked. That's probably enough said about that. But all of your information will be stored safely and encrypted. So even if somebody hacks in, they yeah, won't get it, it right? somewhere on the dark web. It will. <laughs> Nobody has those decryption keys. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're not believing <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. that. <laughs> Except, of course, for the NSA, who has supercomputers that can break any encryption, right? Right. 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 That's, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Oh, I have I have one follow up that I need to mention. All I need is one sentence, and that is uh, I I bitched last week a lot uh, about the requirement to uh, track people when they go to out to sit in restaurants. Right, and I uh, thought there was something with Washington now saying if you're not going to do this, you just stay home. Otherwise, you're going to get arrested. Well, that that was my solution, but Jay Inslee walked it back. He he got apparently he got enough pushback. Uh, that he's he's not going to require restaurants it's very magnanimous of him to uh walk back a little bit of the orwellian surveillance that he was putting in but at least you know so that's that's one bit of good news um and then uh i had i had a couple bits of news about open sourcing uh one of them is uh ea is remastering command and conquer red alert and, and that would be electronic parts yeah uh, electronic art yes it's it's one of the big and uh, it, it widely considered more evil companies a lot of people are really surprised at this uh what they're doing is they are releasing the original 1995 command and conquer red alert as open source under the gpl nice um and uh the other bit of open source news uh goes even farther back than 95 uh source code checked in uh, 10th of February, 1983, not that there was source control back then. So it wasn't checked in, but, uh, believe it or not, I checked out on the GitHub. The, the commit dates on GitHub are February 10th, 1983, Microsoft open sourced the original GW basic under the MIT license. Uh, now just to be clear, uh, there weren't many compilers back then. And the machines, this thing had to run on were effectively all embedded systems where every single byte of memory counted. So this is not C source code or Pascal or, you know, certainly not Rust or, or J- JVM or no, this is all assembly code. It is, it is as close to machine language as you can get. Um, and you, they have, they have straight, straight up said here, here's GW basic. This is a blast from the past for me because GW basic was the interpreter that I learned to program on. The very first time. And you never uh, forget your first time. And you never forget your first language. No, because, you know, I, I, I don't know what else you could possibly mean first time when when it comes to programmers. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but, when it comes to programmers. <laughs> now, see, you're, exactly. kind of, you're kind of cutting down our, our bread and butter here with our dudes named Ben and <laughs> dude that's named Bernadette well, in the audience. The, the, way, the way that I learned to code was we my family got our first a Tandy 1000 computer in 1985 and I was a young little whippersnapper but when my family bought the computer at an incredible cost because computers were expensive back then that was a that was an 8086 clone it wasn't even a, a real IBM uh the family bought it as a family computer because nobody had personal computers back then you could hardly afford one for a family uh 
uh, it quickly became my computer because I was the one who went in. I was the one who learned how to use it. I was the one who learned how to, you know, do file paths and stuff. There was of course no internet, but, uh, uh, you know, a few years later I learned how to connect to BBSs. but one of the most interesting things on there was a program called GW basic. And, uh, I, I went and I was like, what the heck is this? Cause I tried launching it and it just gave me a cursor. I'm like, well, this is fucking boring. What is going on here? And then, you know, I type stuff and it's like syntax error, you know, type anything syntax error. I'm like, what the hell? So I had a neighbor who worked at Hewlett Packard and I went and talked to him and said, uh, you know, what what is this and and he's like oh yeah we we were talking about that at you know we use that at work and i bet i've got some extra so he ended up bringing me a manual which was just a technical manual and instruction list for basic that was in an old school binder that said hewlett packard it was about two inches thick nice and gave all of the instructions and from uh effectively a technical readout of every command in basic i went and taught myself how to program because that's how you did it back then I mean, that was back when if you bought a printer, it gave you a technical manual for how to write your own printer driver, because that was the only way to print anything. <laughs> Here's the printer. Uh, it doesn't really work with your machine until you do work. Now, yeah, it doesn't work with your machine until you write a driver for it, but then it'll print something. Yeah, that that would not go over well anymore in our society. So uh, that that uh, it it struck some nostalgia for me because i i probably even still have some source code listings from some of the shit i wrote in gw basic uh which was you know it was based on the original base i don't know what the gw stands for you know george walker or something but um anyways i just thought i'd uh, i'd mentioned that that was open sourced um and then the follow-up the uh command and conquer red alert of being open sourced uh is uh it just popped up at the same time. I thought I'd tie it together. The interesting thing about it is that I was able to peruse the basic source code, all the assembly, look at the com- codes and commands. It's all posted on GitHub right now, and I can give you a link. Um, EA has announced that they're going to open source Red Alert, um, but I couldn't find any links to source. I couldn't find anything that they'd actually done it. And they said they're actually going to un- open source the uh the gameplay dlls which means you're not going to be able to recompile the game or build your own or or build anything off of it you're really only going to be able to use it so that you can see how the engine works to write mods so ea uh, you know microsoft go you i mean ancient product but i'm happy it's going online ea nice try definitely helpful i'm i'm not going to complain too much but you're not really open sourcing anything you're just kind of making something look visible well and microsoft seems to be opening their arms a little more to open source and why i'm not really yeah. sure why that is um i microsoft is going all goatsy with some of their older products in open source you know i i'm still curious what microsoft if you don't get that reference don't look it up is moving forward because as we've talked about the operating system itself is becoming less and less profitable it seems like microsoft's making more of their money now in office subscriptions which is i mean i guess it makes sense it's kind of like well we get you onto the windows device and we give you the operating system and then we try to sell you on the add-ins more than anything else and having i guess more like the android phones and the apple phones with their play stores you know with their app stores that is kind of what Windows is moving into. So maybe it's all about 
control and wanting you on the platform and they'll give you the operating system and then you'll pay for other stuff. I don't know. That's probably a whole show. As as much as Windows 10 is is a virus, they they definitely their developer division is starting to uh, really impress me. You know, they they purchased GitHub and although they're they're changing policies and and slowly ruining it, it's a lot slower than I expected. So, you know, good on Microsoft for that. Um and I I got you know, the PowerShell seven recently came out. I, I don't know if they I don't remember if it's their final RTM or if they actually released it or not, but but I recently tried installing that and from source. Um I mean, I gotta admit, the the Microsoft that I was at was the kind where uh open source was the enemy and should be destroyed at all costs. So um I'm I'm liking the new one. It's definitely a plus. And I have one more story that can be summed up in about two sentences, which is there was a woman back in 2017 that said no one accused of sexual misconduct should be allowed to run for office. Joe Biden just hired her (laughs) as a senior advisor. So just let that sink in. Joe Biden (laughs) hired her as a senior advisor three years ago, said nobody accused of sexual misconduct should even be allowed to run for office. So that just tells you the Trump derangement syndrome that's out there. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, sexual misconduct is not something that Democrats are capable of. Just like black people can't be racist. <laughs> it does seem that way. There is a very clear line and I don't quite understand it, but that's what we're here for. in grumpy old Ben's to try to make sense of all of this stuff. We appreciate everybody listening, coming along live when we do these shows on Friday mornings. And we appreciate everybody that donates. We should probably move like a donation segment, maybe into more of the mid block of the show. I mean, I guess I feel bad. We're always kind of throwing this stuff in at the end, but we're just not time sensitive enough. We could talk for, you know, I, I don't think we're, we're, we're not disciplined enough to be able to time ourselves like that. Yes, but we're working on it. I mean, we're definitely yes. working on it. We do have some donations today. The first is from Sir Anonymous of the ADF. C and Arapaho County, another no agenda listener. And see, we're borrowing from their tribe. We appreciate the no agenda tribe. We know that's a big part of our tribe. We're kind of a sub tribe, and we just want to get some of our own tribe that's not part of no agenda. Let's face it. We we just when we started this show, we straight up stole a a chunk of the audience, and we're not giving it back. Yes, we're not giving it back. Twenty five dollars from Sir Anonymous. He put a little note in, which is always appreciated. He said, I, too, would like to be an expert. So, see, you offered the whole Bemrose blessing of if you donate, you can be an expert. So you're no longer a script kitty. The minute you donate, you're now an expert. Doesn't matter how much you donate, any donation, you go from being just a dumb script kitty to an expert. Sir Bemrose blesses the whole thing. It all works out. Maybe we should have like a Bemrose rant or a little uh, re- re- record the following so uh, so that you can play it back for anybody who doubts you're an expert. I, Sir Bemrose, hereby declare that you are Grumpy Old Ben's expert. You should put like, say your name there or something in the middle. We can edit that in. Yeah. He says, yeah, I, keep on. D- Darren's good at edits. I, <laughs> I hear it all the time whenever he. <laughs> like the last cold opener. That was a good yeah. one. I like that one a lot. And it didn't take any time. So that's even better for the editing part. Uh, He says, keep on keeping on. You're doing a good job of it. So maybe he's listening to a different show. Either way, we're glad the donation came to us, but we appreciate it. 
go yeah go go listen to some rogan and then donate to us i'm okay with that <laughs> that's yeah less work for us more money that is a great system go listen to somebody else then send money to grumpy old bands we also have ten dollars from cold acid who doesn't have any note but he's just always that guy he's always says something in the troll room always says something on no agenda social he's always around during the rock and roll pre-shows for the no agenda shows requesting tunes usually good stuff sometimes crazy stuff but we appreciate that yeah, oh wait he, he's requesting good stuff why aren't you playing it then i don't i can't uh oh. gummy nerds yesterday uh requested billy ray cyrus's uh achy breaky heart so i played that i mean that is somebody said that is the ultimate troll move is to play achy breaky heart yeah. too it, it, yeah did, did you follow it up with a rick roll <laughs> i should have i there was some other country stuff we threw in there it kind of rolled on uh there was some old crow medicine show or something that uh, sir seat sitter wanted so we did a little you know kind of country-ish break but we can play everything we played sinatra we played heavy metal we played pop music the no agenda rock and roll pre-show it's not all rock and roll i know the name kind of makes it seem that way and it's mostly that but you never know what you're going to get so that's why you have to show up it, and listen it, it's yeah the the playlist is whatever darren wants to torment you with people seem to get into that sort of thing so oh, I mean, it is on a subscription. Okay, cold ass. And if you have anything to add, he's live right now in the troll room. Wait, so if the, you had a no pre-show subscription, are you paywalling the pre-show? It's on subscription. <laughs> we should be. No, cold acid was saying that he's on the subscription model oh. for grumpy old Ben. So thus no I'm note. I'm sorry. I'm trying to follow along with the show. And now you're referencing stuff you didn't say. So, <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I, I I'm trying that new thing you recommended where I listen to what you say, where you pay attention and comprehend though. Those are both important parts fuck right i knew it was going to be more complicated than that okay and we also have a subscription from our buddy john fletcher of the hog story podcast hogstory.net live monday saturday thursday for like every fourth monday maybe or tuesday if the schedule changes a lot so you probably just want to go to hogstory.net i uh, hear that tomorrow night saturday night if you're listening live or same day here tomorrow night Dame Bemrose will be the featured guest on the Saturday night hog story spectacular. So if you want to hear all about Sir Bemrose. As you pointed out, if you're listening live to hog story, uh, you get Dame Bemrose just about every episode, but she usually only comes on after Fletcher stops recording. So this time it's it's going to be recorded. At least Fletcher has gotten better at the podcasting that he does hit record before he actually does the podcast now. Rather than doing a show and going, yeah. huh? Recorder. Yeah, but there's so much that happens on that stream. Fletcher needs to hit record the moment he starts streaming just to catch all the ISOs and, and interesting bits that aren't in the official show. Yeah, they have their own stream. Even we don't have our own stream. But then well, no, again, because we just not. take over someone else's. <laughs> we found this to be easier overall, yeah. easier and a much less, much less hurdles to jump through to just borrow somebody else's stuff it's better if your friends have good toys than you have uh, and and just to be clear if you are in the no agenda tribe and you're doing live content uh and and you are and your show is going out on the stream because you're you're part of what people listen to then you you should be doing your live content on the no agenda stream or, or at least restreaming to it because live content is is one of the reasons why the no agenda stream is exists it's live no agenda is why it was created yes uh, and it went if, from if, the no agenda to live shows to 
well, adding the pre-shows, which adds, you know, kind of another show before the no agenda shows, but then it has live shows with Monday with hog story Tuesday with DH unplugged Wednesday with Nick, the rat Fridays, of course, grumpy old Ben's rhino, the bearded now Saturday hog story again. So now every day there's something going on live, which is really hard to do for a ragtag bunch of people that were kind of thrown together from all different parts of the world doing broadcasting, all sorts of different stuff. It is an amazing thing. And this is why it's hard to monetize the network, but damn, the entertainment is good. Uh, and really, that's what matters, because I mean, we we can all starve to death together as long as we're entertained, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, hopefully Adam would send us some like beans and wieners or something like that. If we really, you know, if we got it got really bad, we can. We no, can... JCD will just give us vinegar tips. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the vinegar book and the wine list. He he said one day, you know, I, I'll send out you know, like a wine mailing like once a month or something. And I sent him my email. I got nothing. It's with the vinegar book. I can tell. And last but not least, Harry Hamster yet again. This is like a, a run of shows in a row that Harry Hamster has come in. And we greatly appreciate the support. See, this is called subscription content without the paywall. Yeah, you don't need a paywall. That's the beauty of the value for value model. And and we really appreciate all of our producers for this reason. Yes, all Rogan, of our experts. Rogan's going to be the non-paywall just for jumping through hoops. Uh, you've got Adams going to a paywall. Everybody seems to have some kind of paywall. Even Larry, our buddy at that Larry show who does a great show. There's a paywall if you want extra stuff to be. You have to go to Patreon to do that. And I get it. I understand why we've talked about this over and over again, that there are some people that will never donate, that will never support the show unless they get something back that they wouldn't get for free. So I understand both sides of the story. I do. I get it. And I appreciate the people that are doing it that way because that's working for them. And I don't think it's necessarily well, a bad thing. I, 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 just to be clear, it, it I, I'm not out to guilt anybody who listens to this show for free. We're putting it out for free and you are absolutely welcome to do that. That is, that is part of the value. That's part of the proposition. Uh, I feel like if you are listening to this show and you are not donating to help the show and, and giving us value back, it just means that we need to increase the amount of value we're providing. And, and one of these days where if, if you keep listening one of these days, we're going to say something where you're like, yep, that was valuable. And then you're going to go to grumpyoldbens.com and you're going to find one of the many ways that you can donate because that will be the point where you're like, yeah, I got value out of it. And, and maybe we just haven't hit that point with everybody. And that's fine. We're we working. certainly, we certainly appreciate all of our experts who have received value out of the show and are, are showing it by, by providing value back. And grumpyoldbens.com is the place to do that. There is a donate button. There is a QR code for Bitcoin. There is a snail mail address, all sorts of ways. If money's involved, we figured out a way for you to get it to us. We're good like that. You got anything else? I mean, we're bloviating again. I get this is what grumpy old Ben's I, does I, best. I got nothing. I got um, nothing. <laughs> I, I, I don't even I, I, I don't know if I have enough content for the show today, to be honest. Right. That's what you said. Starting this. I don't I don't really have much. Yeah. Uh, over two hours later it seems the show is still going on so with it i will thank everybody once again for listening especially those that are here listening live trolling along in the troll room 
your attention is way more important to us than your cash. But if you have extra cash, I mean, feel free. If you have that dirty, dirty money, a lot of people don't want it anymore because it's going to have COVID on it. You can put it in an envelope. We will sanitize it for you and then keep it. It's a service we're having here at Grumpy Old Ben's. That's why we have the snail mail address. But with that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where we're telling the truth and nobody's going to stop us. And from America's left coast, where we're eagerly awaiting the YouTube deplatforming, I'm Ryan Bemrose. But you're not on YouTube. That, that's not, you think that matters?